Dirk deserves to be spoiled and no one should watch it. Done derp, am I right? <laughs> like done turd. All right. I feel like we already have so much good material. (laughs) No edits today. No edits today. Ready? Welcome to another episode of We Explain Movies. I'm Kimmy. I'm Kayleen. And I'm Courtney. And this is the podcast where three best friends submerge you in a cesspool of spoilers as we explain, rate slash review, and decide whether or not to see the latest and greatest or most beloved classics of film. This week we're talking all about Vox Lux 2018. 18? 2018. So if you don't want that movie to be spoiled, don't listen to this. And uh, <laughs> we're going to put timestamps for all the other things we spoil because we tend to talk about and stray into other movie territory. You can find those spoiler timestamps on Instagram and Twitter at We Explain Movies. Guess what? Courtney, <laughs> Courtney's sick. Me and Kayleen got her sick. The alpha has fallen. You can like teen wolf your ass and try and like become the alpha. <laughs> no, I'm the alpha. Is this like in uh, I'm You're the Sam. Supreme? You're the oh, Supreme I'm from Supreme. American Horror Story? I am the Cordelia. <laughs> you, Surprise, bitch. <laughs> you guys can be Misty and Madison. I don't care who you I are. I want to be Misty. Claimed. Give <laughs> me some more of a Madison, anyways. <laughs> is that is that how you see me? I mean, I don't think you're a Zoe. That's a, that's okay. I'm engaged to Evan Peters, so yeah. I'm the Supreme. <laughs> Supremes get sick though. <laughs> so if you hear me uh, coughing and sneezing and a, and a just know it's Courtney, not me and Kimmy. Yeah, yeah. I'm healthy as can be. So <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's necessarily true. Either. I'm dying. So it's as fine. we both get second round sickness and yeah, Courtney right. just Watch sits that. on her throne. It's a mutated <sighs> virus already. So it's it fine. is unfortunate that this week. Gosh, you're right about the pressure. Like I feel like it's the me show, and I'm sorry you have to listen to my gross voice. <laughs> uh, although I kind of, I kind of like my sick voice. Yeah, sexy. Like sexy. Phoebe from Friends. Oh, does she like her sick voice? Yeah, she likes her sick singing voice. She thinks oh, it's Oh, I remember better. that, the yeah. singing voice. I always just am like, oh, I sound like Sophia Bush now. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't. That's but funny. Kimmy, you've got just a naturally colicky voice. Like, you were Great. like colicky today, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. also I just, like, screamed a lot as a kid. Like, I remember, like, like I have really strong memories of being, like, a very coherent teenager, like 14, and my mom, I would be in a fight with my mom. Oh my gosh, you were that dramatic? Yeah. <laughs> and I would just stand at, up at the top of the stairs and just go, ah! Oh, I hate you. And then, like, in my head, go, hmm, I think I can go louder than that. That's how I get slapped. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's a smart woman, she just leaves the house. Fend <laughs> for yourself, dummy. Your mom's like, Seven years from now, when you try to be an actor, you're going to have a lot of problem with voice work, Kimberly. <laughs> How are those vocal nodes doing? <laughs> I mean, I like your talking voice. Thanks. It's Aww. just, you've got a raspy voice. Yeah, of. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Has anyone, um, thanks, I'm very flattered. <laughs> um, anyone watched anything recently? Knocked anything off their list? Mm-hmm. Anyone? Yeah, um, I said last week that I wanted to start Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I definitely oh, did that. Did you really? Yeah, Yay. I'm on episode three of season one, and that shit is old. Man, I just it just brings back a lot of memories, and I realize how many quotes I remember. Oh, like wow. even Aww. from even the just very from the first, first episode. Three. Yeah, definitely. And that theme song is so epic. Do you guys know it? It's yeah. super great. It's, it's a super guitar. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that brought me to what to a question actually. I didn't tell you guys this ahead of time, but what do you think is the most I mean, I kind of know what your answers are gonna be. What do you think is the most 
iconic, or what is your favorite TV theme song? I was just going to blurt out, even though it's not my favorite, but One Tree Hill, just because it's hilarious. I don't want to be. <laughs> I, I would like all the <laughs> listeners to know that one time I fast-forwarded through that on a PlayStation, and if you click the button once, it goes fast, but not so much that you can't hear it. So I was like, oh, I don't want to be anything. Oh, I don't want to be anything. <laughs> <laughs> and Jillian and I do that to each other. It's, like, it's like a Cotton Eye Joe remix. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that your favorite? Uh, I, oh, I don't think no, that's your favorite. You love Friends. Friends. Friends is such is a good theme song. How about your mother's fun? Friends oh, is pretty iconic. See, what I love is, um, oh gosh, I feel silly. My answer. <laughs> Zoe 101. No. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? Um, but no, my favorite theme song is absolutely We Used to Be Friends from Veronica Mars. Oh, oh nice. nice. Yeah. And uh, they even had like, in episode, season one, they have an episode where it's... <laughs> She's, she's working on a case, and her best friend is like, do you know her? And she goes, we used to be friends. Oh, my goodness. A long time ago. And then she goes, ah, ah. <laughs> it's really nice. Because oh it goes right into the theme song. Awesome. A long time ago. It's really nice. I'd uh, say I love that that's song. one of my favorite things about our friendship is that all three of us have a big passion for singing words to not word songs. Yeah, so like, definitely. We oh, all yeah. give like, doo 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 doo. <laughs> the Dexter theme song, <laughs> or like Breaking Bad. Definitely, that's a good one too. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Breaking Bad's so fitting for the vibe mm-hmm. of that show. It's awesome. I just, I, I absolutely love theme songs to TV shows. Like, Me too. I, it, it sets yeah. the mood. It's totally. really nice. Sharp Objects definitely kept me on my toes because they changed it every flipping week, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and I was like, what are we gonna get? And, oh, you know. you know what I really like is Stranger Things because it's so oh, short, oh. and I'm always like, I will. Not skip. I yeah. will not skip. Yeah, you're, well, if you skip that intro, <laughs> yeah. it's a so good short, intro. You're not so a good. fan. Yeah, yeah. True I mean, fans, honestly, don't skip. don't skip any of them. They're just such. Everything's such I a definitely banger. Skip. I mean, Game of Thrones is a really That's good intro, like but it's too long. <laughs> oh, you know what's a good, or at least I, I think one of you doesn't like it. Maybe both of you. I like it, but it's very long. So we're just a new black song. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I really and like I, it. Oh, I don't like it. Yeah, I love it. And somebody posted something where it was like people who skip the theme song for Orange is the New Black don't know that taking steps is easy, but standing still is hard. (laughs) That's pretty good. I love that. That's pretty good. I love that theme song. It's so Um, good. You watch anything, Kayleen? Uh, Well, we all watched Seven on Saturday. Oh, yeah, we did. I forgot. Yes. Uh, I was the only one who hadn't seen it prior to watching, right? Yeah. 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 You should talk about it, because that was your first time seeing Um, it. You guys, I think that you guys, not to say that it wasn't grotesque, but I think that you guys hyped it up. I thought I was going to be, like, running to the bathroom to barf. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't. I thought, you know, like, Saw is worse than that. I remember, like, going, in, as a seventh grader, going over to these, like, boys' house, and, like, they turned the TV on for a minute, and one of the Saws, I've never seen a Saw movie. Oh, why not? <laughs> why? I have no desire to see any Saw movie. For Except Saw, for this so one good. you're about to tell us about. This was not by choice that this came on, okay? And all, I remember it Saw, so vividly. Saw, Saw. It was like, so the first scene was some guy getting stuck in a tank where cow carcasses were getting blended and then he drowned. What? I think that was like Saw 2 or 3. <laughs> is it true? Okay. Have then, you seen them all? Yes. What? <laughs> well, then the following scene is like a naked chick tied up in like a freezing room and then this water sprays on her yeah. and then her arms fall off. I think that was number 3. <laughs> no, I don't need that in my life. Maybe yeah. we should do it on the podcast. <laughs> I don't want to 
grotesquely explain to you like everything that Jake's to be honest I really podcast. don't want to listen to it so yeah. it's fine that's kind of funny that that's what you were holding seven to because and that this was my third time watching seven mm-hmm. I wasn't as repulsed by it because I was desensitized because I just like the the uh the lust kill is always the hardest for mm-hmm. me I just mm-hmm. that's I too much. Because I this was also my third time, and when that scene came up, I feel like because you know how your mind is what makes things worse sometimes. Because yeah. you don't, you know, we don't we see her to a degree, but we don't see that part. Instead, you have to play fill in the blank. And so, I think both times that I've seen this movie after having seen it the first time, I always envision that scene being shown more grotesquely than it is. And then after it's over, I'm always like, oh, okay, they don't. They just let us imagine how horrible that would be. Yeah, like, I, I always yeah. get really like, oh, no, they're going to show, and then... And then they don't. Yeah. I I don't know if this was supposed to be something that original viewers knew or not, but I wasn't surprised that it was supposed to be Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box. I think, I think it's... I was like, totally, is her head in the box? Yep. Why are you asking questions, Brad Pitt? You I already know. Stop I, being in denial. I think... Uh, I, I, I honestly feel like this is just one of those things because we now have grown up in, what, that movie was like 20 years ago? Yeah. And we've grown up in this world of expecting the worst, so our like 20, <laughs> you know, you watched it 2019, we watched it before that, but it's like, your 2019 brain goes, what else could it possibly be that would make him so repulsed? It's gotta be a severed head, and then it is, and you're like, surprise, surprise, you know? <laughs> it's so yeah. horrible, and obviously, yeah. as, if it was in real life, if that was someone saying that to me... I wouldn't think that was possible for right. my boyfriend's head to be in a box, but it's a movie we're watching, and so I'm like, I mean, what else is it? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, it's a dead dog. Guys, it's a dead dog. Oh, I love when there's the dead dog in seven, and he goes, I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a dead dog that wasn't me. <laughs> he, uh, like, winks. <laughs> <laughs> that dog you could say was envious. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> That's the eighth deadly sin. It's called barking. <laughs> so should we move on to the questions for this week? Questions. And let's do it. Alrighty, so... Um, I'm going to hide my phone like a paper gosh, again. Gosh, she's so in this. Oh my gosh, Kayleen is over here, like, you're taking a test in high school, or, or I, I should say elementary school. She's got her hands cupped around her phone. I wanted to be a surprise. So we can't see her answers. Lock your phone screen then. Okay. But I wanted to be right. All, all I have is the list of our stuff that we're supposed to do. Oh. So. Don't play I saw Vox Lux and thus came up with some questions, and um, inspired by Kayleen's question last last week, you really came up with a good one for Face Off. I I just, I really wanted to start diving more into themes Mm -hmm. and ideas that can really be discussed rather than uh, just standard. So, uh, my first question, what movie do you think most effectively uses voiceover narration? I would like to go first because oh, I'm low-key scared that you guys are going to have the same answer. I want to go last. hysterical because Kimmy's like chomping at the bit and Kayleen's like, nobody talks to me! <laughs> so, Kimmy, I guess, go This ahead. question has a lot of controversy <laughs> the three of us. The movie that I picked... This is what ends our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> the movie I picked is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Wow, nope. Oh, that's great. Breaking yeah. the fourth wall. Yeah, but nice. it like really um, expertly breaks the fourth wall. It... He's a character that lies to other characters, but the breaking the fourth wall, he's always genuine and letting mm. us know about secrets. And I think it's pretty consistent throughout. And he even gives us advice about how to do... It's like we get a sneak peek into his lives, like even more so than his friends that are on this journey Aww, with that's him. that's nice. Kimmy is so thoughtful. It's like yeah. we're his extra friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think, I don't know, I thought that that was really expertly done. The way that it was conducted, people were like, wow, wow, I didn't know that you could do this. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. breaking all the rules. It's like... It's working. New, it's like old theater where people suddenly yeah. used oh, yeah. stream of consciousness and people were like, what are you doing? So throw some jazz! It's so meta. Good commentary, Kimmy. Any, any of, like, favorite lines of his nar- narration? Uh, no, I didn't pick one. I should have been prepared. Sorry. Oh, I'm not here to shame you. I, I think that it's, I think that it's most prevalent at the beginning, and I like all the shower stuff, and then him telling you how to get out of school, like, on the phone and stuff like that, and him calling, pranking his teacher, and then Cameron's involved. That's pretty iconic. I guess I'll go next. <laughs> um, am I allowed to say some honorable mentions? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, if you take my honorable mentions, I'm not going to be mad. Okay, yeah, I did so, that for the second question, so. Oh, okay. So my honorable mentions for this one, um, and it's not my answer, but uh, definitely Kick-Ass. Oh. Because that's consistent. This one, I think, is more in line with my actual choice, but last honorable mention would be Juno. Because mm-hmm. um, it does a lot of that pausing to, like, show you things on screen and, like, you know, like, those, those oh. establishing shots where she'll show, like, the, the Tic Tacs and then she'll show the chair and she'll do all that stuff. And I really like that. I do like that. Yeah. yeah. and it's very stylistic how they do that. Super stylistic. And so my actual answer, though, is me and Earl and the dying girl. Wow. Aww. None of these are anything I have, so See, this is exciting. I, I, have you seen me and Earl? Kimmy? Yeah, oh, Kimmy I have not. And Kimmy, I don't want to I remember for you, you, you told me it's something I would really like. And I just really want to show it to you. But oh, um, what I'm going to say is it's um, Thomas Mann is um, a young boy in his senior year who wants to be kind of this invisible kid who just coasts through high school and is friends with everybody but not deeply friends with anyone. Um, and it opens with him trying to write his college essay, which is also how... The spectacular now is, but yeah. they're not consistent with their narration. He starts it and he ends it with his whole college essay writing thing. Mm-hmm. But this one is consistent because it's about a boy befriending a girl when she's diagnosed with cancer, played by Olivia Cook. And uh, right, that's why we started talking about mm-hmm. that movie. Yeah, and they do this really awesome stylistic thing where it'll say like at the bottom of the screen each time they hang out, it'll say day one of doomed friendship. Because they tell you right away, like, she's going to die. Oh, yeah. Like, she dies. Don't get excited that like she's going to Like, John dies at the end. Yeah. And then, you know, they consistently are, like, day 58 of doomed friendship. And you see, like, where their friendship is, like, at its highs and where it's at its lows. Mm-hmm. And they do that consistently. But he's also telling you things about his life. Like, he tells you about his dad, who's played by Nick Offerman, and all the weird foods that he likes to eat. So I absolutely love Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. They do a lot of the cool stylistic things that Juno does, where at one point they have this girl, like, for no reason, is in a pink knitted ski mask playing a cello in, like, a darkly lit staircase because mm. it's meant to be dramatic. And the character makes all these movies that are puns of actual movies. That's what him and his best friend do. They they just make parody videos. And so uh, instead of The Grapes of Wrath, they make The Prunes of Wrath. Death in Venice, they make Death in Tennis. Eyes Wide Shut, they make Eyes Wide Butt. <laughs> it's about a butt with eyes. Citizen Kane, they make Senior Citizen Kane, where he's just walking around with a walker. Gosh, they just do such funny things. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Crouching House Cat, Hidden House Cat. It's like like a two-minute video about their their cat, Um, and they're just just really adorable. It is a really creative film. Yeah, it's it's very well done. Um, Rosemary's Baby, they make Rosemary Baby Carrots, (laughs) where it's like they act out Rosemary's Baby, but with carrots. So... (laughs) 
Jurassic Park. They do Jurassic Skate Park, where it's like dinosaurs on on roller skates. They show you all of these, or like like they show you just like a second, really small, like a a literal second. Um, There's one that's about a cowboy that I absolutely love. Bob's Burgers. It's like that. Almost all, if not all, of their episode titles are movie puns. Are movie puns. This is it. It's instead of Midnight Cowboy, which is like an old Western film, it's called 2.48 p.m. Cowboy, and it's just a cowboy literally just walking down the street, and that's the whole movie. Like, they just like to do that, and so he he decides maybe he'll go to film school, um, and that's his college essay, and it's just really consistent, and it it just lends so much to the story. Mm. One more thing I'll say about it, there's this really funny scene where um, he's in her bedroom, and he's trying mm-hmm. to befriend her, and he just knows that he's being forced because, like, his mom made him go there. Oh, I see. And on so her... So this is the beginning. This is the beginning. On her wall are a whole bunch of pictures of Hugh Jackman, like, as Wolverine, because she, she loved okay. Wolverine as a child. And Hugh Jackman literally starts narrating and his mouth on the pictures ah. is moving and he's like, what are you doing here? She doesn't need you to be her friend. I'm her friend. I've been hung up here for so long that she feels guilty taking me down. Ah. Like, you're nothing. You shouldn't be here. And it's just really cute. That's fun. Yeah. All right, like Kayleen. So I, I definitely thought that even if you guys didn't pick these two, that they would be on your honorable mentions. I thought Kimmy would mention Molly's Game. And oh, I nice. thought um, that Courtney would mention Gone Girl. And then I was thinking... Most of the things that come to mind are either A, books turned into movies, uh-huh. or B, movies that are explaining something. So like Molly's Game, they have to tell short. you the ins and... Yeah, the yeah. big short, they have to tell you the ins and outs of, of what's going on. Um, mm, Vice is a really good one. That oh. was my pick! <laughs> <laughs> you jerk! <laughs> Anyways, guys, my pick is Vice. Uh, so I'm going to spoil Vice because the spoiler that I'm going to give is why it's so awesome Mm -hmm. and why I think it's, or why it ended up not being an honorable mention for me. Um, so so in Vice, we start off with a narration who is very clearly not Christian Bale and we might even see his face in the beginning, do we? I don't know. It takes a while. Okay. So anyway, we get this narration throughout the film, um, pretty consistently. At one point he says that he's kind of like a relative. You see this guy who's narrating the film at home. I don't remember if it's with his wife, but he's with his family. Yeah. Um, you see him there and you're still kind of like, at what point is Christian Bale going to show up as Dick Cheney? Because obviously you guys know each other. So it gets toward the climax of the film. Dick Cheney has a heart attack and you're worried. It's like seventh heart attack. Yeah. And you, I mean, you know that he's still alive. So it's like something obviously has to happen here, but it definitely seems like he's going to die. His wife thinks he's going to die. Everybody's worried. And the narrator comes back on and is telling us about it. He's taking a jog and gets hit by a car and murdered. And then you realize he's the narrator because they took his heart and put it in Dick Cheney. Yeah, That's so brilliant. sick. Brilliant. Yeah. So awesome because it's like he's a part of him without actually knowing him. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that jog sequence, I just leaned to my dad and I was like, he's gonna die. Really? And my it dad totally was like, my dad was like nodding, and then boom, car hits him, and I was like, yup. It, it was one of those moments, especially watching it in the theater. It's so loud and abrasive yeah. that you're like, oh no. Because we see him jogging at other times. He just likes to yeah, give, yeah, give narration yeah. while jogging. And it took me by complete surprise. I think totally. I jumped in my seat. I was like, oh yeah. shit. And then, and you don't really, even I think the second he gets hit, you don't quite get it, but then they show yeah. him in the hospital, and you're like, you're like oh. oh. <laughs> Connecting the dots. Good storytelling. A part, a part of me thought they were going to be like, your distant cousin Fred has died. Yeah. <laughs> I love the line where he's like, he calls it my new heart. And he's like, that's my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, I believe you mean my heart first. Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. are all really good picks. I think 
Uh, being a very new writer and getting into screenwriting and learning more about it, um, the, one of the first screenplays that I attempted, I thought about putting narration in. And you really have to think about, you know, is the use of narration to make it simpler and easier for you? Or are you going to take the risk and try and do it without explaining to the audience? Right. Which I think all of our picks add an element of fun for Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, it's an element of um, style, for mm-hmm. sure. And then for you, it is completely necessary that we have to learn all about right. like the different laws that they're right. discussing or the different times right. that they're discussing. And the fact that the reveal happens at the climax of the movie and then that guy's purpose has been served because Hugely. all of the hard stuff got, you know, explained to us. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so clever. And I love that I, you had these answers to these questions because Fox Lux... Not good narration. Oh, no. Nope, so we're going to get to that. Oh, cool. (laughs) Uh, And here is my last question for us. Um, What is a movie with a much larger political, social, emotional, what have you, message than you anticipated going in? You expected one thing, and wow, where you served something completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a couple honorable mentions here. I'm not really sure which one I want to pick as the one to talk about. Eh, I think I do. Okay. So, one of the ones I picked was her, mm-hmm. and that's obviously, you know, about um, relationships and technology and communication with your significant other, and mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm missing a lot because it's a very layered movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Get Out, I think, has a lot of <laughs> yeah. social and political messages that are very cleverly and humorously put in. Right. But Didn't also, you expect that going in, though, still? Yeah, that's why I didn't yeah. pick it as something to talk about, because I did expect mm-hmm. it, but I thought it was expanded on so much yeah. more yeah. and so much more intricately mm-hmm. than I expected. And it was his first time attempting something like this. To knock mm-hmm. it out of the park like that was just yeah. really crazy. Yeah. So the two, it kind of, it's two because they're similar movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really surprised that a lot of children's movies mm-hmm. have deeper meanings. That's what I chose. Like Ooh, Zootopia. Cool. Cool. That's mine. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't pick Zootopia. Okay. I picked Wally. Oh, okay. And The Iron Giant. Oh, nice. I know, throwback, right? Oh. Wally is about, I mean, and I guess, you know, as an audience member, you expect that Pixar is going to have a deeper message so that it can reach a wider audience, yeah. but it always, always blows me away. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's that's actually what we're talking about. Especially nowadays, they're getting so much more complex than just, look, there's a sweet message. It's Nowadays, it's things that are really complex, like, yeah. you need to feel sad to get happy again. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yep. Oh, my gosh. Inside Out. Yeah. I knew, I knew Inside going into that, out. I expected a lot. Yeah. But then, like, Coco, like... Hey, you're all gonna die someday. Like, oh, that's damn. just, oi. Make amends with your family. Yeah. <laughs> Love one another. Jesus. They're gonna die. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and yeah, the Iron Giant about, it's, it's, I looked it up to remember because it just kind of flashed my brain. I was like, oh, I think that had a deeper uh-huh. message. And um, it's about uh, gun violence and um, weaponry and nuclear warfare. And it's like a response to the Cold War because it's written yeah. like to be set in the Cold War I think so. period. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, Courtney, my answer go? is Zootopia. Um, Zootopia. Have you ever seen it? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's got great characters. I really I really like them. Um, it's got a good message in the end. We're walking yeah. out of that theater and being like, "Wow, that was way more than I signed up for." But I'm glad that I was witness to yeah. that, especially because it is completely geared for younger children to yeah. instead 
not judge one another and mm-hmm. um and instead it's about Inclusion. equality it was hugely yeah. about equality um whether gender or racial um and and pursuing your dreams was a big one as yeah. well um and also not feeling like you are pigeonholed if people are going to tell you all your life you're going to be one thing that is not true you don't mm-hmm. have to be that one thing especially everyone telling the fox like you're sly and you're cunning and you're right. bad and so you can only be a bad guy and so he thinks he has to be a con man but yeah. then really he becomes a police officer in the end it's great Calm oh down. <laughs> Kiki's like, we love this podcast too. to talk about Kiki's day. Kayleen's <laughs> <laughs> turn. So, my, um, I would like to give an honorable mention because when you said a greater emotional message, I just really wanted to think of a comedy that I went into that affected mm-hmm. me emotionally. And I think this is a big one that I'm not, I'm not the first person to say this, but click. Yeah. And it was like goofy yeah. Adam Sandler, and then no. at the end you You're I mean crying. obviously you find out that this isn't really happening, but it's yeah. like, oh my family hates me and I'm dying and I like <laughs> they're sad that I'm dying, but I didn't like I wasn't a good yeah. parent yeah. or husband. I don't like Adam it's Sandler, so but I was I for sure movie. like, why am I crying? Yeah. Um <laughs> but my actual pick, which could also fall in the voiceover category, but I thought it was better for this category, is Fight Club. Mm-hmm. Um because, and I don't think that I, I saw this when I was too young, I think, to really get the overall bigger picture of the movie. I was just like, this is a badass movie without really thinking anything deeper. But so much of the movie revolves around, like, we are trapped in this uh, commercialistic society where all we do is buy the same things. Yeah. And we're, we're a slave to money, basically. Capitalism and it's like, yeah. How can we, what is the thing that we can do to make ourselves feel like we're men again because we're literally becoming slaves to this artificial thing? Yeah. Yeah. So that, I think, and I think honestly still a lot of people miss the point. Oh, that's what I love that you picked this is because so many people miss the point yeah. of that movie. Oh, so dudes like, like in testosterone. Gosh, I love the punching people. Fight Club! <laughs> and David Fincher has said on record, he's like, what I tell my daughters is if any man comes up to you and says, my favorite movie is Fight Club, run. He's like, yeah, no, boys are, boys are stupid and they don't get the message of the movie. They're dumb. And I'm like, ah, David. Wouldn't it be great though if one was like, Fight Club? and you're like bye and they were like I just love the overarching message about like politics and <laughs> we're all cogs in a machine however I definitely don't condone making your own soap or terrorism <laughs> or blowing up your apartment my apartment's fantastic yeah like whereas everyone else romanticized that movie and they're just like oh so sick like let's blow up the credit card company I'm gonna punch you in your face <laughs> Testosterone in the headshot right there, yeah. You missed the point. Um, We are now going to be talking about Vox Lux, and to do so, the two who have not seen it this week, which is Kimmy and Kayleen, are going to give me their impressions, predictions, what they think the premise is. Can we start with her? Because she knows less than you. I think so, too. All right. I feel like I don't know less than you. Because I, you, know you want to fuck it, bed? <laughs> Fight Club. Fight. I mean, Fight. I remember. I remember watching the trailer a long, long time ago. I didn't really retain a lot of it, but I know she has a crazy Bronx accent. Staten Island. Staten Island. Okay. Pete Davidson. 
Which I'm low key scared about because I don't think she did a very good accent job for Jackie. Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> Which she was so hailed for. It's Camelot. <laughs> so I, I watched that guy who does the, the linguistics guy who who breaks Eric oh, yeah. Singer, who breaks down accents. And she was actually copying her to a T. Okay. Wow. Yes. Like oh. he, he played clips of cause she had actual footage to go off of. Mm. Um and she was doing it. It's just it's a bad voice. Yeah. Both, <laughs> both her and JFK. I like, believe it. <laughs> Because I, I fully support Natalie Portman as an actress. I think she's fabulous. So, but I still think it was a bad accent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, it wasn't enjoyable to hear. No, um, it's not right. pleasing to the ear. No. <laughs> so, I what I think this movie is about is she's some kind of eclectic pop star, a la Lady Gaga. She's vibrant. She's unique and really out there with her costuming and. I really think that this movie is probably going to be like a fall from grace, a fast accumulation of fame and fortune, and then realizing that that's, you know, not enough or it's not all it's cracked up to be, and that causes a descent and a deconstruction of that fame, and she's probably going to lose it, and she's probably going to be... Uh, estranged from her children. I don't know. She's going to lose she everything. Have children? Do you well, know I don't know. Fact? I have a feeling she's okay. going to have children. I don't okay. know. And, and they're going to hate you. Mom, you're not cool. Every, all the public thinks you're cool, but you're really just washed up. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And, and she's just, I don't know. She's going to go through a whole patch of, oh, these hits aren't hits anymore. Mm. You know, the, the albums aren't, you know, resonating with the fans like they used to. And it's just a Regular old, out of date pop star, as they do. So okay. that's what I think. I don't know. Okay. Good. <laughs> Kaylee. That's a, that's generally what I know. The only time I've ever even heard this movie spoken about because I did not know about it was um, Dan Merle talking about it on Screen Junkie. I was really nervous he was going to spoil it. I don't think he ever spoiled it. Okay. Um, if he did, I have forgotten about it, or I didn't watch that one. But he has talked about it. He really liked it. It was one of his favorite movies last year. All I really know about it is that it seems kind of like a reverse Star is Born, where it's she's the one on the up and up, but rather than, you know, Lady Gaga is the one in the story you're supposed to be rooting for, whereas in this, I think it's a lot more of a, she's being a trash person on her way up she's to fame. She's an anti-hero or yeah. something like okay. that. And I, as Kimmy was saying her predictions, I'm kind of thinking it's going to end up being like this popularity gets to your head oh. and you end up spiraling out of control and then eventually realize, oh man, I've totally destroyed my life mm-hmm. because of this thing that I've been chasing and now I got to make amends somehow with all these people that I've like ruined. I have a feeling she's going to be a drinker and uh, there's going to be a lot of drugs involved. I, I just think have she's. A feeling. I just feel. I just imagine the whole thing being her in costumes being a bitch, like she's just yelling at yeah. people and being like, "You're nothing." <laughs> yeah, I. You I never know helped me. Jude Law is in this movie, right? And I don't know what his character is, but I feel like he's like her manager or something like that. Oh, I thought he was like her love interest. Right. Okay. So I'm thinking that he's not her <laughs> love interest. And she's going to be so down in the dumps that she's going to be desperate for affection and something mm. is going to happen where she's going to try and make an advance and they're going to feel sorry for themselves and it's going to be really awkward for everybody involved. <laughs> I think if he is her manager, there's going to be some scene where he's like, you'd be nothing without me. And she's going to be like, I'm famous all on my own. I'm amazing. Basically, like do we have to even hear about the movie anymore? Because I feel very confident about it. <laughs> this is hysterical because, like me, y'all have no idea what you're in for. Okay, oh, man. Well. 
Okay, okay, okay. I will say one outlandish prediction. Okay. Yeah, give me an outlandish prediction. This is almost like Black Swan level outlandish. So you know how in that she basically becomes a swan. (laughs) (laughs) So in this, I feel like because people keep describing it as she turns into a monster, so I think she's Hear me out. <laughs> She's going to become a real monster. So at the end, it's like Godzilla status, and you're like, oh, that's a real monster. It's like she's on stage, and she <laughs> roars and unhinges her jaw. If she's got those, those things that come out on that one dinosaur in Jurassic Park. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's like the scene in Beetlejuice where she pulls like her lip over her head, and her, her mouth is huge. This is like a star is born crossed with Colossal. Kaylee's yes, kind of like colossal. <laughs> From outlandish, it's not really an outlandish prediction, but I don't have anything to back it up. So Get that's this. Why. She cries. No. <laughs> yeah, I bet she does cry. Natalie Portman is a great movie crier. Yeah. She's mm. a great movie crier. You know why? Because she's not afraid to be ugly. And that's how you know it's authentic. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, my prediction is that there's going to be a really great cameo. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Stan Lee shows Great. up. All right. Stan Lee shows up. He was oh. alive when they filmed this. Oh my god. So last week, Kayleen and Face Off prefaced her explanation by saying, uh, put on your suspension of disbelief, disbelief goggles. Okay. Today I'm gonna tell you, put on your pretentious goggles. Oh, okay. Be uh-huh. ready. For just so much more than you need. Okay. Be ready for, um, to eat a thesaurus. <laughs> be ready to be smacked in the face with a thesaurus. Alrighty. Uh, other things you need to know. There is narration in this movie that I will talk more about, and it is also split into X. Oh. I will start by saying we're Don't now in... do you hate that? I like that. You guys... The Why favorite are you was an X. I thought that. Because I thought one of you said no, that I about something. That. I enjoy it. Um, however... Something that is hard for me is when, um, and this is the only time that I've ever seen it done, when I saw Suspiria. Because they tell you how many. It was like, Suspiria being a six-act something-something, and I was like, great, there's six of them, and then right off the bat it starts prologue, and I was like, so that's not even one of the acts! (laughs) (laughs) And then I had to sit through six acts, and then it goes epilogue, and I was like, yeah, I know! (laughs) If there's a prologue, there's an epilogue. So that's what I was thinking of, is, is you being like, well, now I'm counting down the movie. But that's all. Suspiria was three hours. Damn. The favorite was not, and this was not. So I was okay. The favorite it was good. Yeah, the favorite was good, and I, I also because those were funny. Titles. Trying those to really find the titles for those acts yeah. where I was like, "Ooh, what's yes. it gonna be? What yeah, does yeah. it mean?" This one is very simple, and it's really only three. We start with narration. The narration was done by Willem Dafoe, oh, and wow. he was brought in kind of at the eleventh hour. We don't know who originally did it, but someone else did it. And then the director was like, I hate it. Wow. Well, will you come do this? And he's like, sure, I'll read six things hmm. um, that sound like they were written by an AP playing student. Okay. <laughs> I low-key um, love it when I hear trivia facts about the director hearing something and being like, no, that's not my vision and mm-hmm. having to call somebody in last minute. <laughs> back <laughs> to the future. I was going to say, Kayleen's back to the future one. I'm like, yikes, yikes. It's just like, I, I just, I really respect and appreciate directors with a very clear vision. Yeah, right. But then, I mean, he pulls in kind of just a very much a ringer. Like, it's... <laughs> Willem Dafoe. It's Willem Dafoe yeah. talking like Willem Dafoe. He's yeah. giving this <laughs> He's narration um, about how Celeste... Was given this. That's her name. Yes, she yeah. was given this name that was clearly grander than anything she was destined to be because she was 
you know, a Staten Island middle-class born girl that was really not set up to be anything special or so they thought. Her name was Celeste and it's showing like home video footage of like a six-year-old and it's kind of funny to me because we all know what Natalie Portman right, looked right, like right. as a young child because of her acting career. Right, right. But it's fine. She's she's singing. You um, looked the exact same but shorter. Yes. And then <laughs> fades to blackout. It says prelude 1999. So we are now in our first act. It is 1999. We see this dude walking down the street uh, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the road, like on a highway, just walking. And now we're in a classroom. Um, it is a teacher. She's sitting at her desk. Students are filing in. It's a music room. I think she's tuning an instrument. Um, everyone's coming into music class. And then she starts her day and says, how was your winter break? And the kids are all like, yeah. She's like, how was it? They're like, yeah. <laughs> in typical teacher fashion. And it's, it's funny because, like, I'm a teacher and I just have to, like, I have to tell them to stop talking about their winter break. Right. Like, kids... Kids are not as apathetic as people make it out to be. But anyways, she's like, I have some news to share with you. I'm going to wait till everyone gets here, though. Then somebody is standing in the doorway. And we can see their face, but it's a shot over the teacher's shoulder. And the teacher's looking at them. And she just goes, can I help you? And he goes, my name is Cullen Active. And she goes, excuse me? And he says, my name is Cullen Active. And she goes, I know Cullen. Boom, he shoots her dead. <gasps> yeah. So it is like face off. I was not emotionally ready for this. It gets way worse than that. Oh my gosh. It is now a school shooting. Oh my gosh. And oh it my is gosh. Grotesque and it is so much and I have so much to say. So get ready. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Wow. He, I'm having chills right now. Yes. Is it a surprise where Natalie Portman is in this? Yeah. <laughs> so he immediately just shoots the teacher down. It's it gave me chills and it made me already Damn. sick to watch and I was like, "Oh no." All the children scream and stand up and run in a corner, except for Celeste, who is sitting completely still in her chair. She is staring off kind of catatonic, and it's kind of separating her from everyone else. Like, she's just, like, this one who's calm in this situation. And the shooter um, says, go with them. And she goes, no. And he's like, go with them. And the other kids start yelling, and they say, why are you doing this? And shoots them, just like, he's like firing off just rounds at random. Oh my so God, going back I there. cry. It's awful. People are shot, and she says, don't hurt them, I'll go over there with them, just don't shoot them. And he goes, go. And so she goes, and she stands up there. But he's already people, shot some of them. He's already shot some of them. And it cuts to him, and he's wearing these very scary contacts that make his eyes entirely black. Ew. And she says, you don't have to do this. Let them go, and I'll stay here with you. And he says, I've already killed so many people, you don't even know. And she goes, please just let them go. And then um, he says, what will you and I do? And she says, I'll stay here with you. And he goes, and what will we do? And she says, we'll pray together. And then she leans to a girl next to her, and she goes, don't worry, everything's going to be, boom, he shoots her in the neck. He (gasps) shoots Celeste. He shoots Celeste in the neck. Kills everybody else. She's been shot in the neck. Sorry, is this a young version of her? Or is this, this is a young version of her? It's not Natalie. It is not. And How do you know that playing. it's her? You just assume? Uh, he says Celeste, like, oh, go with okay, them. Okay. And also, in the narration, it says Celeste was 13. Because it's oh, 1999, okay. and I should have said that. He says, Celeste is 13 going on 14, and now we have her here. She is played by Raffi Cassidy, who is the girl from Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, oh, the daughter. Yeah. She's a little bit older now. Um, she can actually sing. <laughs> Not like what she does in Killing of a Sacred Deer. That's hysterical. Um, what song does she sing? Some Ed Sheeran song? No, she sings, and we're gonna let it burn, burn. Oh, oh God, it's worse than an Ed Sheeran song. I, I love that, though. Like, it's by a, the tree, right? It's an yeah. Ellie Golding song. But it's so... 
good when it's like the I it's just so remember scary. the yeah it's so haunting and it's um, so anyways I have a lot of thoughts with this I'll get into it okay I do not understand how this movie was made at the time it was made because this movie was filming the week before Parkland happened whoa wow they continued going on with it but basically. They are filming when Parkland is happening, and I will get to the parallels it has with Parkland and why I don't think it's okay. But then they also made a lot of references to Columbine that I could feel were very intentional. It was set in 1999, this school shooting, and if it's January 1999, they were setting it before Columbine because mm. that was in April of 99. They, after Celeste has been shot, they show shots of the outside of the school, and there's this very famous footage from Columbine where this kid named Patrick Ireland, he's trying to climb out of the <laughs> library... And it's really famous footage of him, his body, like, dangling off of a giant two-story library building, and the SWAT team's trying to grab his arms, and he falls. And they did that shot in this movie. They show a girl climbing out of a second-story window. They show a car exploding underneath her. That's so grotesque. Yeah, which um, the the Columbine shooters, they exploded. They tried to explode their own cars outside as a distraction. So, really, it mirrored it way too similarly. Um, And then you see the full credits for the entire movie. Like, full movie theater-style credits playing over her in the ambulance, and it's really bloody, and just slowly the credits are going. Like an after-movie credits. An after-movie credits. The whole thing. I will get to the more of the Parkland stuff later, but just other crazy things with this movie. Um, Parkland was happened, like, a week after it started filming. When they decided to have the premiere, they set the premiere date and still went on with it. That day, the Thousand Oaks shooting happened at a bar. Mm. And then today, we're recording this podcast, New Zealand happened today. Yeah. It's just, I think it's it's trying to make some commentary about how, how much our lives are um, not affected by this and about how it is just such a run-of-the-mill thing. Like, today's, mm. today's mass shooter, tomorrow's mass shooter, it never stops. But I have more thoughts on that. Act 2, Genesis, is what we are at now. Uh, she's what was in, Act 1 That called? was Act 1? It was called Prelude. Oh. I did type... Oh, Act 1, Genesis. Sorry. Act 1, Act 1, Genesis. She is in the hospital. She's going through, like, rehab of, like, walking through water, and um, she's got a bandage around her neck. And if you see, Natalie Portman always has that bandage around her neck. Like, that's her her trademark is she's got, like, a collar, and it's because she's got a bullet in her neck. This makes me think of that, like... Scary story to tell in the dark. Oh, yeah. Where he Ooh. takes the bandage off <laughs> and her head falls off. <laughs> Please, as much as you guys can make light of this, it is going to get so bleak. So just here we go. Then we're in the hospital. Her older sister is like curled up on her hospital bed, bawling her eyes out, saying, I'm never going to leave you. I wanted to kill myself when I found out what happened. I can't believe I was sick that day and didn't go to school. Mm. So her sister was not there for the attack. Um, and sure, her sister's crying and holding her, and here's something you guys gotta remember. Okay. Celeste says, my god, Ellie, I think I've done something terrible. And then it cuts away. So we don't know what that means. <sighs> okay. Wow. Then, I'm really intrigued. Yeah. I'm really intrigued. Then we go to, um, a funeral service, or a candlelight vigil, or a memorial after the shooting. Celeste is in a wheelchair being, like, pushed around. She can walk, but she it's hard for her, so she's being led into um, this church and there's somebody speaking about um, how we need thoughts and prayers, we need to um, come together as a community. We're now going to hear from Celeste Montgomery, who was in Mrs. Dwyer's 8th grade class. And that was the teacher who was killed. We had a Mrs. Dwyer. Did you really? We had a Mrs. and a Mr. Dwyer that both worked at the school. 
So Celeste comes up and she says, I'm not a very good speaker. So uh, my sister and I wrote a song. Her sister and her sing this song, and it's it's a really beautiful song. It does not feel, and this is something I have with all the songs, okay. it does not feel of the time. Mm. It is very much a 2017 song. It is not a 1999 song. Is it a song. Sia song? But they're all yeah. by Sia. Okay. And so she's does singing she's, this song. I feel like, at, because Sia is such a popular artist, I think I'd have a really hard time disconnecting Sia's voice and, like, attaching it to Natalie does Portman. Does she use, the, does the movie use Sia's voice? Couple things. So, oh, okay. <laughs> I have a lot to say about the Sia, for now. The Sia? The Sia. <laughs> and the songs, Sia. and it is all, Sia's never seen, and it's, it's it, they're not her songs, and it's really easy to do that. So she's singing this song at the funeral, and the song is all about Teach me to listen. Teach me not to be the one to speak. And it's, you know, got parallels to the teacher. It's got parallels to listening to people rather than attacking. And Willem Dafoe comes on narrating. He's not actually on screen. (laughs) And he says, (laughs) he says, um, as she's singing it, it's I will listen. I will, I will, I will. He says, a producer would go on to tell Celeste she needed to change the I to we. And thus, an anthem for our nation was born. Suddenly, it was about America's grief over this tragedy and not Celeste's. Simply put, it was a hit. So, all of a sudden, big, loud, like, orchestral music, shots of New York, establishing shots of New York. It's clear she's now in this limelight. She's going to be a singer. She is pursuing a music career. And here is where I have a lot of problems. Because... (laughs) What they are saying from this point on in the rest of the movie is that this girl capitalized on a tragedy and got famous and people in America just ate it up and they love hearing about tragedy and that's all that matters and she's making garbage music but she is doing it um, because she's now famous. Yeah. And the issue with this is that Parkland is the first school shooting where the survivors are the ones who are being talked about. The survivors Mm. are the ones in the limelight. Nobody mentions the shooter of this one like they did for Columbine. They have come to the survivors. And all the survivors that started March for Our Lives and the big movement are all theater kids. And a lot of them have written songs. And a lot of them have performed songs like at the March on the Capitol. And they sound very similar to this. Yikes. (laughs) And I think those kids are so brave. And we should be commending them and celebrating them and putting them on the covers of our magazines and talking about what they're talking about. But instead, they used it to be like... Yeah, we're a gross culture that glamorizes violence, and I now see. look at this. We've got this teenager, and she's so successful. And I was like, she has a bullet in her body. Right, like, right. what is this metaphor? And right. it felt really gross. It's like attacking someone who was still a victim. Yep. Well, let me just say, I'm wondering if this is good storytelling, because from what I've, what small stuff that I've heard about this movie we're not supposed to be on Natalie Portman's side. Like, I guess I feel like I'm going to be proved wrong later with the rest <laughs> of this um, movie analysis, but I feel like all the reasons why you don't like this movie might be reasons why it's good. <laughs> you're saying that like it's a weird conspiracy theory? No, not like a conspiracy theory. I think that you're affected by this movie in the way that they're intending. I don't think I am. Okay. <laughs> but I do think it's a good movie still. Okay. I'm not saying it's a shit movie. Oh, I'm good. Saying, um, I'm saying there's issues with it, but okay. I don't think it should have been made. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> I, I don't think this is... Well, I was just going to say, 
you know, if it was happening at the same time as Parkland, how were they supposed to know that life was going to, you know, parallel it yeah. so hard? But it's just, it's it's hard to say, I made this creative instrument, and oh, now, oh, no, now it's really insensitive, but I still won't be able to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very nervous about being on a soapbox this whole time. I know oh. way too much about school shootings. <laughs> I know way too much about Columbine and Parkland, and I just feel like I'm going to get really, so sorry if I'm like a social justice oh warrior, and I'm like banging my fist at well, no one. I think one, that opens like this podcast up for reasonable discussion more than just like review you know what I mean feel free to check me if I'm being too dramatic about it because maybe you guys would have a completely different reaction but Parkland the anniversary was obviously last month the March for Our Lives uh, walk was yesterday the anniversary and so um, two books have come out in the past month and I read both of them and they're really good two documentaries have come out watched both of them they're really good Mm -hmm. so it's a hot button issue obviously and this movie just I think it was written before Parkland, obviously, but it came out at a bad time. Yeah. It, it unfortunately, like, I think if it came out the year before, it would have gotten way more attention. Yeah. It would have been hailed in a much better light. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yes, I'm all worried. right. <laughs> so we've got these establishing shots of New York. The second to last is um, a big panoramic shot, shot with the World Trade Center towers. So already you're like, oh, yes, we're still in the year 2000. Right. Everything's a bummer. We have that to look forward to. Mm. Um, so it's just... Is this gonna be like, remember me? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. So, she is in a recording studio, young Celeste still, Raffi Cassidy, and she's really bad. She's, um, kind of, she's just clearly not a pop star. She's doing her, like, little monotone. She's clearly off rhythm. And, uh, Jude Law is her manager. He's in in the booth. Did they CGI de-age him? Not at all. And he's, like, wearing the same outfit the whole movie. (laughs) So they're like, he's always 40 and wearing khakis. <laughs> so um, Jude Law is like, we're going to take five. Celeste, come into the hallway with me. So she goes in the hallway. They're having this conversation obnoxiously close. Like, they're they're centimeters apart facially. Okay. Um, like I said, he's 40. She's supposed to be 14. Don't you know that's how you talk to children? Yeah. and um, But he's talking to her like an adult. And he's telling her, like, you know, I know there's something special there. You're going to be amazing. What did I tell you the first time we met? Oh, no. Remember this, guys. You got to shut your eyes and pretend like you're in your bedroom when you're performing these songs. When you're performing these songs, I added. But he says, just remember the first thing I told you at your parents' house, so it's not creepy. He's like, you got to shut your eyes and pretend like you're in your bedroom. And she's like, yeah, okay. Like, she's just a very, she's a straight guy. Like, she she doesn't do anything wild, which is why it's such a turn when Natalie Portman comes on scene. Because this girl is just... Bland. She's okay. monotone. She's simple. She's wise beyond her years, probably, is what they're going for. Whatever. Then we're seeing her in a dance rehearsal. She's having a hard time because of her back That's injury. But she's still doing, you know, like, like teen pop star, a lot of, like, popping of the arms, oh, no. and a lot of, like, woos, and yeah. um, sliding on the floor is what she's having a really hard time with. Then we are in a meeting with uh, the producer. If you want to call this a cameo, Kimmy, the producer's Laura Linney. Sick. Miss <laughs> Laura Linney? Laura Linney. Okay, tell me what she's in. Have you seen Nocturnal Animals? She's Amy Adams' mom in Nocturnal Animals. What else is she in? That show, The Big C. She was the lead on it. It's not a cameo. She's just in the movie, dudes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know her. I don't know what from, though. Who's the better pick? No, I know who that is. I know who that is. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so she's the producer who's going to send Celeste's EP out into the world, and she is like... I don't want you to be upset if people aren't head over heels in love with it. You might get one hit out of this, that one super sad song oh, you yeah. did. Um, or maybe you'll get more. 
Jude Law throws a fit and is like, how dare she say that? He's not British. He's Staten Island. Um, so, like, they're walking outside on New York streets, and he's like, how dare she say that? Like, you're a star, baby. You're going to make it. You've got all the hits in you. Um, then the next scene, like, they responded to it. She ended up having, I think it was two or three out of the five songs they really loved, and they wanted to make, like, singles. Okay. They were like, yes, you've got it. So then Jude Law decides, we're going to Sweden. We're going to go work with this big-time producer in Sweden. You're going to do shows in Sweden. You're going to make it in Sweden. Um, And fun fact, hi, Eleanor, because Eleanor is one of our listeners in Sweden. And I visited her, and they showed this montage, like a very fast montage with maybe like one-second clips each, but of a whole bunch of things that I saw. They're like on this rooftop bar that uh, we went to together. They're at this like big fancy bridge with this gorgeous scenic shot. They're at um, this sort of amusement park zoo called Skansen that's like over the water that we went to. Um, So I was like, ah, ha, ha. Meanwhile, Nick, Willem Dafoe is narrating, and he's saying, people in Sweden really loved them. The producer in Sweden was so taken aback by the girl's devotion to God. And then there's, like, these really short clips of them just, like, prayer hands. Like, they look like full-on prayer hands emojis. They're, like, okay. sitting down in a bed, and they're like, yes, we're praying. Um, and but then How I was your like, prayer form? Um, and then, then the narration ends with, but uh, Eleanor... <laughs> That's her older sister's name. Oh, no way. <laughs> but Eleanor, um, you know, excited to be in a new country with her younger sister, started introducing her to partying. And then cut to Celeste barfing in a bathroom. Ah. And so, like, they've been partying. They're, you know, in Europe. They're teenagers. They're living their life. Um, and then Jude Law is, like, banging on their hotel room door. And he's like, I've been looking everywhere for you. Come on. We're going back home. We're going to L.A. Okay. And they're, like, both super hungover. And Question. Celeste is like, yeah. So Eleanor, you said, wrote that very first song. They wrote it together. They wrote it together. Yeah. Okay. Is and Eleanor still on this Swedish journey. She's a writer. She's she like, is helping with the She music, is helping with the music. But she doesn't perform. She does not perform okay, at all. It. But she's, like, the parents aren't there. Like, they pretty much just gave her to Jude Law, both okay. of these daughters. Wow. Um, She's there in the recording studio. She's there, like, writing. She's there supporting her, selecting the artwork for her EP. And what's interesting is they have her play young Eleanor and old Eleanor. Weird. Oh, interesting. But, I mean, it's not really clear how much older she's supposed to be. She might have been 18 and a senior when uh, Celeste was in eighth grade. I don't know. So, anyways, they're both hungover, and Jude Laws, we're going to L.A. You're going to shoot a music video. They're like, oh, okay, great. Now we're in L.A., they're at a heavy metal concert, and they're just kind of enjoying it, and they're they're standing backstage, the band comes off, and it's clear, you know, they're in America now, and they're kind of just backstage uh, networking musically, and the, the lead singer of the metal band is like, hi, who are you? And she says, Celeste, and um, then all of a sudden we're back in, like, a hotel room, and they're trying to get into the hotel room. She's really drunk, she's forgotten her keys, he's like, do you have drugs in there? And she goes, only painkillers, because it's just, you know, she's mm-hmm. got painkillers from her injury. How many, how long after her injury is this now? It's a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It's a year later, so she's still only like 15. Okay. Maybe 14. But the um, fact that she has that much pain still. Yes, so she's got lifelong pain. Wow. She's got chronic pain from it. Um, now we're in the hotel room, uh, the guy's not wearing a shirt. Um, it's clear that they've, she's probably just lost her virginity to him. Oh my god! She's lying on the bed wearing, um, still her, like, collar around her neck and a tank top. They're talking, and she's very much, like, dreamlike and staring off into the distance, and he's not really caring. He's, you know, probably on drugs and just kind of, like, touching her hair and asking her about her life, and, um, she says, you play the kind of music that the boy who shot me listened to, which 
it used to be a big thing of, like, all of the school shooters were, like, into heavy metal, and they blamed that. Like, Marilyn mm-hmm. Manson was blamed for the Columbine shooting. I remember that. Because the kids listened to that. Um, and so another thing, just on the topic of, like, shootings and everything, it's really interesting that they have this character who is a survivor of that making it in the pop world. It didn't occur to me about Ariana Grande. Oh. And the, the terrorist attack yeah. that happened at her show. And, like, 22 Ariana Grande fans are dead. Yeah. Um, and that had nothing to do with metal music, but pop music. Mm-hmm. So he's talking, he's like, I love pop music, though. And she says, I don't like to think or talk about what happened to me. That's what I love about pop music. I don't want people to have to think too hard. I just want them to feel good. Okay. And that right there is kind of what I think is a big message in the movie is that that's how we as a society are able to deal with all these constant tragedies is yeah. because we have things like television and pop music and social media. Yeah. As a distraction, you mean? As a distraction. Absolutely. However, I think it's just very interesting that they chose Sia, who I don't think is the biggest culprit of that, to be this representation of mindless pop music. Oh. Mm. All of her stuff is much deeper. She gives all those videos with yeah. bigger messages. But, but, like, ultimately, I think they chose her because they trusted her talent. You're not going to pick someone. That's what I think. Yeah. But then I'm wondering, like, did she only give them be material because mm. none of Celeste's songs are good, I and see. that's the point. I see. Is that they're not good songs. Maybe her. that was an artistic choice. They're like, make some not-so-great songs. Yeah. Because I, I, I guess, highly yeah. doubt they would be like, write us some really good songs and then use a whole movie <laughs> We're going to make fun of them. Yeah, exactly. So I don't I, think that would happen. I do think I would love to know like what Sia's process on writing these songs were or what yeah, she was yeah. going for, but they're all very hookish. Mm. They're all very boring. Um, you know what would be fun mm. is if these were songs that, like, her, you know, like when people are trying to get famous and their labels or their managers are trying to tell them how to do things. Yeah. What if these were songs she had written that she didn't <laughs> like that people were trying to tell her to use? Right. And she was like, no. That would be very Oh, like that I'm not going to write you a love song. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyways, they're bad songs. Um, but Celeste says this, and that was kind of like a moment for me where I was like, all right, is this the point of the movie? Is uh-huh. that we as a culture, violence means nothing to us. It's constant. We need this distraction, which there's nothing wrong with distractions. Right. Our world is so awful. Here we are making a podcast, like, because the world sucks. <laughs> like, we just need to be friends and talk about yeah. things that we like to talk about. So don't feel bad about that. Um, or for making pop music or for liking pop music. Yeah. But I mean... Just with the whole idea of I do it to make people happy, I was like, that's definitely more of like a Katy Perry vibe <laughs> than, a, <laughs> than a Sia vibe. Like, I've cried listening to Sia. Yeah, yeah. So, um, she puts on a rad concert, y'all. Oh, I bet. Yes. So, anyways, she's telling him this, and then he's kind of tuning her out. He's like, oh, really? And he's clearly falling asleep <laughs> on her. And it's like, ah, yes. <laughs> then she says, I have the same dream every night. Ooh. I'm in a tunnel. And the tunnel just keeps going and going and going, and I can't get through it, and all around me, there are lifeless bodies that I do not stop for. Oh my goodness. And he's like, dead bodies? And she goes, no, just lifeless that are just there, and she says, what I think they are, she says, all of them are me. I think they are clones of me that I sent down the tunnel in my place, but that did not make it. And I can see myself at all these different ages. So she sees, like, she's got this vision every night of just her dead body. Do they show the vision? They show the tunnel. They don't show the bodies. Okay. Um, But I was like, ooh, that's really interesting. That is interesting. Um, And she says, but I know I will never die. Remember that. (laughs) For when she turns into a monster. (laughs) 
cut to, she's walking down the hotel hallway. It's clear it's right after. She's crying. So it looks like she's not like, again, this is just a very like bland actress. Yeah, and yeah. it works. I think she's great. But it's she's not giving you a whole lot facially ever, really. You think I think she's crying. She goes to her sister's hotel room, and she just has a key, and she gets right in. And she sees her sister and Jude Law in bed together. <laughs> oh, yo! But we can't even focus on that. Instead, she goes, get up, get up. And she goes to the window, throws up in the curtains, and we're in Los Angeles, so there's palm trees. And they're like, whoa, what? She's like, you need to get up. A plane crashed into the Twin Towers. No. Oh, so no. Oh, my God. Now we're in 9-11 time. And so, instead of dealing with that at all, now Celeste is on a motorcycle, young Celeste still, in a tunnel, with a bunch of, like, bedazzled, with a bedazzled face. Her face uh-huh. is covered in jewels. It's this mask, and we hear this song. Oh, is it the song, music video? It, we just, she didn't go home for 9-11. She is now filming this music video. Oh, no. Uh, and the lyrics are like, you with your smoke and mirrors, you broke my heart with your black heart. And I was like, this is so bad. Wow. <laughs> You're a hologram. So apparently the song is called Hologram, but it sounds like it's called A Billion Things. Um, she's wearing, like, leather, and she's a child. She's got this mask on. She's got her hair done like Rey from Star Wars, like Force Awakens Rey and those buns. It feels so Lady Gaga, it's not even funny, mm-hmm. and it 100% is not 2001. This song would not exist in 2001. Like, if you look at songs that were yeah, then, yeah, yeah. and just the art of them, like, Wasn't was, it, like, One Two Step was around one 2001? Two step. <laughs> Where, like, that's as complicated as our dance moves are. <laughs> um, and, you know, people were creative back then, but everything was so simple. And this just feels so layered yeah, and ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that they let a 15-year-old choose, like, I want to be in a tunnel. Maybe an endless tunnel that I can't get out of. Yeah. Maybe we're all wearing these masks. Maybe And, like, I don't know how much she directed it, but that's what's going on. It was super Lady Gaga. But Sia wrote it. And I just wonder what Sia's thoughts were, like we've discussed. Yeah. Narration happening over her dancing, haunted by the ephemeral image of her sister and her manager's nocturnal encounter. Mm. Basically just saying, disturbed that her sister banged her manager. (laughs) That is so... Okay. It's so much. This sounds like... And I know it isn't, but this sounds like a movie using this as humor. Like, ephemeral affair. Yeah, they're they're being pretentious on purpose. I don't think they are. I think that's just him. But it sounds like they're being pretentious but trying to take it seriously at the same time. Oh, they are. It is not... Guys, I'm saying you get ready for pretension because that's what it is. It is not a joke and it is not... It's not for that. I can just tell it's not. The style and everything sure? about... I'm positive. It's, I mean, it's not a comedy. Yeah. And so what, no, what purpose would it serve? Well, another a, thing. A satire. No, it's not satire. Oh. <laughs> That's unfortunate because remember when we watched Velvet Buzzsaw? It's clearly a satire exactly, about the commercialization right? of art. Yeah. Yes. This is not what that is. Yeah. <laughs> but the actors take it very seriously to so depict that authentically. But I think... But it's like, you know, we all three of us saw that and it was very obvious. Yes. Yeah. This is not what that is. Jake Gyllenhaal going, I am no longer a fan of your work is not the same as (laughs) wrestling feelings of betrayal and exclusion. Celeste's loss of innocence curiously mirrored that of a nation. From that day forth, the girls' paths diverged as the two were forcefully pushed towards opposing severities of their character. He's not kidding around, dude. (laughs) 
And wow. like I said, with the narration. I wish that the guy before made it seem like a satire, and they were like, no, serious. That's why they got Willem Dafoe. The guy was like, do we know who the original guy by, was? No. We haunted don't. by the ephemeral image. Yeah. I, so. I, um, I vote for Seth Rogen. <laughs> haunted by the ephemeral image of her sister and her manager boning. <laughs> boning. <laughs> Sounds like Chad from SNL. Super sad. Slut. So, with this, the narration is very much meant to make you, the audience, feel something that clearly the actors and the images, like, just can't. We can't, like... And that's why I have a problem with this narration. I get it. I get that she found her sister boning her manager, and then 9-11 happened, and then she made a bad music video that catapulted her to stardom. I can put those pieces together myself. It's like, we as an audience know what human emotion looks like. I know what you're going through. (laughs) We Um, saw that happen. So I just love that instead of just letting us see that that happened, which we did... Now we have this super wordy yeah. reiteration of, remember when that happened? Yes, I just saw it. It's been 30 seconds. Right. So, bad narration in my opinion. Not satire in my opinion. Maybe you'll have a different view when you watch it. <laughs> but also, I'm okay with it. I felt that this movie was pretentious to a degree that I was never aware of when I started it. And I was on board. I was like, I get it. I get get what this 30-year-old director is doing. You put those goggles on and you were there. Yeah. Last thing I want to tell you to remember, she is, uh, the narration ends, and Celeste is standing in front of the camera, and again, she just goes, like, looking right at the camera, not at us, but at the camera in the music studio. Uh, For the music video, she's wearing this leather getup, this mask, this Ray hairstyle, and she looks at the camera and goes, one for the money, two for the show. Three to get ready, and four we go. And she says it just like that. And the director goes, perfect, cut. And I was like, what? (laughs) Act two, Regenesis 2017. So it's Regenesis. The first was Genesis. Now it's Regenesis. The audience can't trust you. Is the next one post-Genesis? Yeah. Is it really? The next one is called Phil Collins, because it's after he left Genesis. (laughs) 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 Post-Genesis. Okay. Celeste, um, we're not there yet. (laughs) So, super aesthetic looking beachy lockers, like wooden floorboards, white, we're looking at like where people would change on a beach, lockers and changing areas. Looks very much like a music video. It's really, really aesthetically pleasing color wise um, and all that stuff. We see a guy wearing the same mask that Celeste was wearing. Um, and he's walking down this, and then all of a sudden another guy comes from the other direction because it's like all these hallways are linked up on the beach, um, pathways really. Mm-hmm. Uh, more men, all wearing those masks. It's a tracking shot following them, and as we get, we're panning across, they're holding AK-47s. Oh my gosh. Um, they're at a beach resort. Wait, wait, this is part of a video or no? I don't know, is it? Oh god. Oh shit. <laughs> they're yelling something in a different language, they get to the beach, another mass shooting. Killing everybody. On Several the people this time. We don't really see it. Okay. It's from a distance. Instead, we're just left staring at the beach from this shot where we followed them, and then it stays there, and they go. They're down there on the beach, shooting, screaming, yelling in a different language. It's a mass shooting. Now we're in New York, and it's an establishing shot of the new World Trade Center. Okay. One World Trade Center, is that what it's called? The Freedom Tower? I don't Tower? know. Freedom Tower? Now it's a Freedom Tower, so it's clear we're in a different time. Uh... Willem Dafoe says, Celeste, 
is now a 31-year-old prisoner of a gaudy and unlivable present, which has reached an extreme of its cycle, and there was no imagining which new forms it or she may assume. I don't know what that means. (laughs) We're now in this time period that's so awful, we don't know what's going to happen in our world or to Celeste. What year is this supposed to be? 2017. Oh, okay. A lot of turmoil there. Now we see Natalie Portman at minute 54. There is only one hour left. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now we have Natalie Portman, halfway point. What are your predictions? Wow. I really don't have any. (laughs) I thought this was going to be something else. (laughs) Um... I think it's, I mean, I still, I, I still think it's going to be the downfall of her career. You look like you think we're just going to see like a, a failure situation? Yeah, I do. How did I miss all the shooting stuff? Like, yeah. It how? was not in the trailer, guys. But no. like, I'm just surprised they never spoke about that at all. In the- because I think with our political climate and what's happening, they couldn't lead with that because it wouldn't get people in the seats. No, I mean like Screen Junkies when they talked about it. I, I, I guess to leave us without spoiler. spoilers. Yeah, It's a big spoiler because it's what shapes our entire life in the movie. I'm just so shocked by that. Yeah. Um, I guess... What was the thing that you told us to remember about the beginning? She says something to her sister. She says, my God, Ellie, I think I've done something terrible. A part of me feels like, just because I think there's some twist that we aren't cracking, a part of me thinks that she's either somehow involved in one or more of these shootings, or that she somehow is faking it, like as in... She, I don't know, like, she wasn't there, and she, like, did this to herself, or, like, she, I don't know. I feel like something... Damn, Kayleen. I'm feeling like she's an unreliable narrator. She's not the narrator, but I'm feeling like she's... Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe seems unreliable. (laughs) Green Goblin. just kidding. I I have the education of a third grader. (laughs) (laughs) So, I, I just see... Man... I don't know. I just see something going terribly wrong to make us not on her side, even though she's a victim. Yeah. Also, why do you keep wearing this thing around your neck? Just the fact that that's been emphasized makes me suspicious. <laughs> There's no bullet wound there or something. Interesting. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. I don't trust her. That's just a strong point of view. I feel like I concur. Kimmy's <laughs> <laughs> like, I like that. No. We're not victim shaming. I'm just trying to guess what happens in this movie. Yeah, I'm trying to make predictions. Um, and what I'll say about that is just, it's very interesting how this girl was never begging for stardom. Um, she wrote a, a tribute to her teacher, mm-hmm. and suddenly she's like thrown into this whirlwind, and I just find it very difficult to believe. Um... She never claimed to have wanted this. She, <laughs> like I said, she's really not putting on much of a show when she is doing things. Like, she's very just... So Natalie yeah. Portman also plays a deadpan? Well, I guess we haven't seen much of her yet. So here we go. Okay. Are we ready to move on? Yep. Great. Halfway point. Natalie Portman is sitting in a chair, uh, wearing a bra. She's got a big pompadour. She's got makeup on. The makeup artist, like, left and is like, I need a cigarette. She was super late. Jude Law comes in there. And he tells her, there was a terrorist attack in Croatia. And she's like, so what? And he's like, well, people are going to ask if you should do a show tonight. And she's like, I'm going to do a show. And I think it's here that he tells her, the people who committed it were wearing the masks from your hologram video. And she kind of is like, oh, okay. We're still doing it. So she's kind of brash, um, doing her thing. Then it's uh, her going into the hotel lobby of where she is staying 
and she is wearing, like, leather, she's wearing a crop top, like, tied up, uh, ripped jeans, she just looks kind of, she looks very rough and tumble, like, she looks like a badass. This um, is so funny, because I think her whole vibe in 1999, or what year, whatever year that yeah. was, seemed very nowadays, and that vibe you're describing seems very 90s. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's very much like, like a Courtney Love type situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, she's got this incredibly thick Staten Island accent did. that her young counterpart did not have. That's so oh. weird. And I think why is that she is now playing a character. Hmm. She grew up in the limelight and chose to be something that really her young self did not. Her young self was kind of, I think, being influenced by everyone around her and mm-hmm. being like, sure, my sister wants to take me drinking, I'll do that. Uh, sure, like, I, I just had sex with this guy, sure, and now I'm going to make a video, I'll do whatever you want me to do, yeah. and... We don't get to see any of the in-between. That was the last time we saw young Celeste. Now we just have this Natalie Portman, and we're like, how did we get from A to B? But Mm. okay. She is foul-mouthed. She's got this accent. She's um, she's not very nice. She's she's what you expected from the trailer. She's what you guys predicted. Um, And she's like, where's Albertine? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Albertine's her daughter. (laughs) Oh, okay. She's like, I'm taking Albertine to lunch. What? I'm taking her out. And they're like, no, you have to be back here in time for this. And she's like, no, I'm taking her to lunch. (laughs) Albertine comes on. Played by Raffi Cassidy. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> but without the beauty marks. What the heck? Okay. And I was like, that is so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's a choice. I was like, okay. Um, and her, her older sister is there, still played by Ellie. Raffi Cassidy is... That's also so strange. What so strange. Wow. Such choices. Um, and like, I, I don't think this was satirical. I think the director was like, that's so artsy. I'm a genius. I mean, I'm feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Raffi Cassidy is... Get this. And you use the same actress. Yeah. Except for one of them. <laughs> yeah. Take her beauty marks away. It's totally different. Yeah. She's uh, embarrassed by her mom. She's very shy. She's got her arms crossed defensively, mm-hmm. but she's also dressed just like her mother. She's okay. wearing like, a leather bedazzled jacket, a lot of eyeliner, straight black hair. She's very uncomfortable, and she's like, Mom, I don't want to go to lunch. I want to go in front of paparazzi. Question. Yeah. Um, does Raffi Cassidy, as her daughter, play a different kind of character no. than her as young Natalie Portman? No. <laughs> no? No. Wow. <laughs> I think this girl's kind of one-noted, but I'm, I'm here for it. I'm like, good for you. You found your niche. She's getting work, so. Yeah. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> She's just, been, it's like the, it's like the kid, the guy from Killing of a Sacred Deer is always the creepiest creep. creep. Oh, oh no. Billy Kagan. Yes. He's always so creepy and weird and in everything. I'm like, change it up. And he's like, no, this no, is me. I'm going to eat spaghetti here. No. <laughs> and I'm going to go. Ew. Is that his name? Is it Billy Kagan? I know his last name's Kagan. I don't think his first name's Billy though. <laughs> He's that way in Dunkirk. He's, He's that, that way in American Animals. In American Animals. Yeah. Killing Which, like, American deer. Animals, you're playing a real person, and he's, Barry still, Kagan. And he's still like, no, it's me, Barry Kagan. No, I, I'm sorry, I'm very spaghetti. <laughs> I'm very spaghetti. <laughs> I'm very spaghetti. It's me, very spaghetti. Oh, no, I died on the way to Dunkirk. Oh, no. <laughs> Guess what? Nobody cares. I'm not putting that as a spoiler, because I don't care if people have... So, they go out to lunch... And it's very clear that Ellie, the older sister, has been raising Albertine. Hmm. Uh, 
she's acting like Ellie, just kind of shy and standoffish. Her mother is insane. Wait, sorry. Ellie is another daughter, or that's the older Ellie, sister? Ellie is the older sister. Ellie. They call her Ellie. Yeah. Um, Natalie is talking about her reality TV ideas and how she's been a voice in a video game and how she's making so much money doing that. And um, she's drinking at lunch. I'll get to that. And she's, she's saying all these really grandiose things. She says, I'm connected to the whole world. I can hear them all in my head at all times. Ew. Like, she's just got these weird ideas. Um, and she's talking about how every year her music and her videos get worse and worse. And she's doing all these advertisements, like, for perfume commercials that are really bad. And she says, and I thought they'd ruin me, but now I'm more famous than ever. And so it's clear that she knows her stuff is bad. She knows what she's become. We didn't get to see her become it, which is kind of my biggest qualm with this movie, is that I had to see, like, a a young child that looks like a deer in the headlights at all times, and now I'm seeing this, and I just have Willem Dafoe filling in the blanks for me (laughs) poorly. Um, I don't get to see it. And she's talking about how she's more famous than ever. Everything's great for her. Um, And she says... Like her daughter or one of them brings up Ellie and she's like, uh, all it takes to be famous in this world, all that matters is that you have an angle. Ellie never found an angle. She could never do what I do. What a bitch. And she's like, luckily though, she gets to go home to you every night. And I'm like, what? Like, how dare you say that to your daughter? Like, hey, luckily she gets to see you. I don't get to see you. And it's like, that's your choice. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, she can never do what I do. Um, and then her daughter is like, be quiet, be quiet. And she's like, excuse me, don't tell me to be quiet. And her daughter says, no, I be quiet. Like, actually, like, is that your song that's playing in the restaurant? And she's like, oh, come on. She gets up and goes to talk to someone at the counter. And she's like, can you turn this off? Oh. And the guy's like, my manager told me to put it on, clearly, because she's like right. in the restaurant. And I was like, that's a creepy thing to do. Yeah, it is a creepy Be like, I acknowledge your existence, famous person. <laughs> um, do you feel welcome? Yeah. So she's like, can you turn it off? It's so annoying having myself be heard everywhere I go. So I just imagine just, her like getting up from the table and bowing while she's like, it's so annoying. Yes. Like fanning her face. She's really being <laughs> extra. And she says to the guy, can you bring my kid a soda? Also, can you? bring me like can you bring me some white wine like maybe in a in a to-go cup so like she doesn't know I'm drinking wine (laughs) and I'm like gosh then she gets back with her wine and she's sitting there talking to her daughter and she's just having this like pity party for herself all of a sudden where she's like gosh it's just life is so hard like one minute you think you're up and everything's great and then you find out you have cancer what and her daughter's like do you have cancer she goes no And Kimmy walked home when I was when I was like selecting clips to talk about. Yeah. And Kimmy goes, spoiler! And I was like, she's lying. <laughs> so But then she says, Dan left me. That's what she's actually sad about. She's and, comparing it to cancer. Yeah. And her daughter goes, uh, I know, I read about it. And I, she I love this because I feel like everybody can identify with knowing somebody <laughs> like this. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You know, kind of like Even if uh, they're not level ten famous. Yeah. Like, kind of like Violet in August Osage County. It's like oh, everybody man. can relate because we all know somebody That's like so that good. in our lives. Even if your mother's not popping tons of pills and yeah. throwing her wig everywhere, like you know someone like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so she gets mad and is like, you know, oh, like, you're not allowed to read those tabloids. Ellie shouldn't be letting you do that. Then the manager comes over and is like, hey, hi, can I have an autograph? And she freaks out, blows up at him, 
is yelling. He's, like, standing up out of her booth. And he's like, all right, I'm calling the cops. You need to go. She's like, how dare you do that? Like, I'm here with my daughter. And she's just, like, <laughs> freaking out on him. And he's like, can you calm down? Yikes. <laughs> they get kicked out. They don't get to eat spaghetti. Um, I, think, I think they ordered spaghetti. Are you serious? <laughs> The daughter That's did. Hysterical. And then the mom Wasn't was like she scarred from spaghetti. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> we have shots of the terrorist attack again, and maybe it's like the Croatia one? The Croatia one. Maybe it's like a dream sequence. I don't really know. Maybe like she's imagining it. Now we are at a press conference for her tour that is starting for her new album that came out. It's that photo of her behind all the microphones. Oh nice. With her little like stripe in her hair and her pompadour. And she's so obnoxious. She's like Doing these interviews, like, there's another scene after where she's just got cough drops in her mouth. She's like, it's me, a professional singer. I need these cough drops. <laughs> I just felt like it was, you know, kind of like... I don't know if you guys like, know, but I do sing for a living, so... Yeah, it was like a power trip. She's, like, flexing. She's like, I, you're going to listen to me talk while I have this cough drop right. rolling around in my mouth. Blinking um, against her teeth. Yes. And people are asking her, are you still going to do your show tonight? And she says what Laura Linney suggested she say, which is, there's no reason to cancel. I know even less than all of you know. I don't even know if this was connected to me in any way. Like, she's playing dumb of, like, um, I've never even been to Central Europe. I've never done a show there. There's no reason for them not to like me. I don't know why they would do this. Somebody says, is there anything you want to communicate to the perpetrators? Oh, no. Oh, no. And she says, yeah. And then it just, again, I was like... I don't understand where any of this is coming from, but she says, when I was little, I believed in God too. And if you all ever come to your senses and you want something new to believe in, something better, believe in me because I am the new faith. And I was like, what? Wow, that is about I it. want this to secretly be an origin story for Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's just, it's so... It's so self-aggrandizing. It's so god complexy, and I just was like, since when is she like this? But I guess she is, and I have to deal with it. Well, and imagine so, having to worry about, you know, everything that I say is going to be a statement. Then be careful what you say. <laughs> How many people are, though? There's just... I think it's 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 hard. I'm not saying it's easy. Yeah. But I also think you don't need to go around saying, I am the new Jesus. <laughs> hey, terrorists, like... Come listen to my music. I don't even know what she's trying to convey. But instead she says, hell, I'll even invite them to my show. Come to my show tonight. And I'm like, first of all, they've probably been apprehended, but whatever. (laughs) And she yells to her manager in the room, Josie, who is, I think, Laura Linney. She goes, Josie, uh, can you put cowards wearing masks on the guest list? And it does not go over how she thinks she thought it would. I think she thought people would clap or cheer. And instead they were like, what? <laughs> and somebody goes, why would you say that? What do you mean? And now all of a sudden it's slow motion. Lights are flashing in her face. It's clear she's like in the spotlight and it's like very bright and um, and it's slow motion and we have some more narration. <laughs> so <laughs> she was overwhelmed by the vast rays of light coming yes. toward her and uh, I guess pupils. Is it really going to do this to me? <laughs> Her pupils. (laughs) Oh, the narration. Celeste had been led here by example, (laughs) making loose proclamations akin to those made on vogue by the government. I can't even. (laughs) 
I also really like your Willem Dafoe. I don't know. Yeah, who, is I, that Willem Dafoe? <laughs> I don't know who he is, but I like him. I'm doing it. <laughs> Celeste had been led here by example, making loose proclamations akin to those on vogue by the government officials and public representatives of her era. She was frightened and wanted to hide. <laughs> but before leaving the stage, she would tangentially exclaim, yes, I said tangentially exclaim. <laughs> it's so freaking ridiculous. Willem Dafoe narrates this part of what she said next when people were like, why would you say that? She said, I got more number one hits than an AK-47 <gasps> standard 30-round magazine. Mm. And people still don't like that. Gee, I wonder why. The press conference is not happy, and she's sitting there, and she's like, what? I was just making a quip. And it's like, you don't know anything about anything. First like, time making a quip, how'd I do? <laughs> and they were like, uh, gee, you talked about gun violence and about how you're better than gun violence. Well, think about it. It's like she's a young child star. No, she, okay. she became a star when she was a child, probably didn't get standard education, no. thinks she has a platform where she can speak yeah. about this stuff, and she is unintelligent about the certain topics. And see... That sounds like a much more interesting movie to me is her middle life yeah. as opposed to A and B. Or really, it's more like A and Z. Yeah, and we don't know what happened in the middle. And I think seeing Natalie maybe in her 20s and like the movie so far was 50% young Celeste, 50% old Celeste. I would have been fine with 20% young Celeste. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, 40% middle Celeste, and then the other 40 yeah. for Natalie. Um, still, Natalie for both of those middle 80%. I think also, she's so talented. You know what happens when you show the middle? You might not need a voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> you know what happens when you give people more to watch? They have less to listen to. <laughs> so, opposite of our podcast. Right? Uh, now we're in the elevator with her manager, Jude Law, her publicist, probably, or her other producer, Josie, Laura Linney, and they, <laughs> Jude Law is like, do you actually, I just always wanted to do a British accent, he's like, do you actually believe the weird shit you set up there? And she's smacking her cough drop, it's like, they wanted a show, I gave them a show. And I was like, I think they wanted an interview. Right, right. <laughs> I think they just had, like, actual questions. That was my best performance ever. <laughs> Kayleen's putting on her glasses right now, and I just fully imagine Celeste, like, putting on sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, and now we are in a different interview, and it's a really bad interview. It's what's in the trailer. It's one man interviewing her. She is, again, on her high horse. Just these delusions of grandeur, like, coming out of her mouth. She's talking, and he's like, what is this new album about? And she's like, it's sci-fi. It's about rebirth. She keeps talking about rebirth. Regenesis. Like, regenesis. Um, And then he's asking her about the shooting, and she says, you know what? If everyone stops paying attention to the shooters, they'd cease to exist. Not true at all. (laughs) Not even kind of. Uh, Shooters are going to cease to exist. They do shouldn't be, like, watched or praised. You know what I mean? No, they shouldn't. And and I don't think ignoring them is what's going to make shooters stop. I do yeah. think we should ignore them, but I do think way more needs to be done. Yeah, Her yeah. saying, don't talk about it and it won't happen. I think that might be the thesis of this movie is that's what pop music is and that's what maybe we're feeding ourselves of like if, if we focus on this, then that bad thing doesn't exist. 
And I, I have to trust that the director meant more than that. I yeah. just don't know what it is yet. We'll get to that. We'll talk thesis in a little bit. Okay. Um, she's having this interview. It's going really badly um, because he says, you've had an emotional few years. And she's like, "Why? we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. Because apparently she drove intoxicated. Mm. Really, she's she's clearly, like, you know, she's a drinker and she does drugs and all that stuff. But she was like, those were my pain meds. And because she has a spinal yeah. injury. And then she goes on this really wordy thing because he mentions the person that she hit with her car. Oh. When she was driving. And they settled out of court and people don't really know all the details. But obviously, you know, anytime that happens, it's clear something shady's going on. So they settled out of court and... She is really upset. I wrote, she takes out her cough drop. <laughs> she's so upset. She takes out her bra. And she just throws hands. She's, like, yelling. She's mad. She's then gets into this very, very wordy, thesaurus type thing of her spinal injury. And she goes, do you know anything about spinal injuries? And starts using all this information about what kind of spinal injury she has. And the guy who, I can't tell if he's a dick or not, but the guy who's interviewing her, he's like, He's a dick. But <laughs> but so is she. He's like, I didn't ask you about that. Like, why are you so upset? Like, stop being so upset. And just kind of being a guy. Like, you're yeah. overreacting. Like, I didn't ask you that. And Women she's, are so emotional. She's literally, like, up out of her chair yelling at him for bringing things up. Jude Law's, like, coming to take her away. And he's like, I don't know why you're so mad. All I asked was a simple question. And I was like, you knew how to rile her up. You, you yeah, know what yeah, you're yeah. doing. Um, I think this is kind of the big moment in terms of Natalie Portman's acting but I have very little to say about it. It wasn't captivating to me, her, you know, going on this rant to this guy, all the stuff that she said. Again, just ties to her God complex, and I don't really care. I was like, I, I get it. She's full of herself. Whatever. Now, I think it's where we're at. She's sat in her hotel bedroom, and Jude Law is like, let's get wasted and bang. Oh. <laughs> and hey, oh, hey, I told y'all. <laughs> However, there's there's really nothing to it. We don't see it. We don't see, like, any of their courtship or, like, oh, really? how long this has been going on. Instead, it's just kind of like, that's something they do, apparently. Okay. Um, and there's nothing dramatic about it. And the next thing we see is, like, they're leaving the hotel room, and they are smashed. I don't know okay. what they're on. I don't know what it is. But literally, Natalie falls face down on the floor, and it's hysterical because Jude is, like, up against the wall, and it's just clear that they're just, like, drunk people being like, come on! And she has a show. Oh, no. <laughs> and she really looks like Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Lilo and Stitch when she's, like, sad and on the ground listening Leave to Leave me alone Ellen. to die. Leave me alone to die. So Except funny. it's when she's, like, on her face, and I was like, what is happening? And Jude's, like, picking her up. I can't tell if she's laughing or crying. Um, they get on the bus to go do her show. Okay. They kick off of her tour, and she decides she's going to kick off her tour in her hometown, Staten Island, somewhere called New Brighton, and that's why people are so like, is it the best time to do that when there was a shooting? That was clearly because people were inspired maybe by your something shooting do, or just you. something, and you're coming back here and like, I, I have no idea how the town feels about her. Yeah. If they're like, we love our shining star who made it out. Right. Or if they're like, you're a bad representation, Pete Davidson. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, we so, like Colin. We like Colin Jost. So I really don't know what her, her hometown thinks or if they even want her there. Um, but she is just so gone on the bus. Um, and she's like, pull over, pull over. And they pull over. And she gets off the bus with her daughter. They're both wearing these, like, super cool holographic, uh, 
like vibrantly colored silver or purple leatherish. I don't even know how to describe them. They're jackets. Okay. <laughs> and they both look, you know, something. Oh my gosh, words. <laughs> Sounds like you need a little <laughs> thesaurus. Thesaurus <laughs> in your life. A little pocket thesaurus. Did you eat enough thesaurus snacks before this podcast? Uh, shimmering off the lapels of their coats. <laughs> um, they're standing on this beach, and it's a really beautiful shot of the back of them. The daughter's wearing a jacket that says Celeste on the back. Natalie Portman's got her like iconic hairstyle. They're standing out, gazing out at the ocean, and it's clear, you know, she's upset, and we don't really know what's going on. And she says, um, let's have a moment of silence. Shut your eyes. They're basically going to pray, but she does not call it that. She's like, hold my hand even, and they're just having this moment of silence looking out at the water. So it's clear she's not, I guess, connected to God, obviously, from what she said as before, but she's still taking like this spiritual moment with her daughter on the way there. We get there now to the concert. We're in the dressing room. Biggest tantrum ever. No reason comes out of nowhere. Full-blown Natalie Portman screaming. Um, we don't really get to see her crying face because she's like Damn. hunched over. Jude Law is like grabbing around her stomach. She's she's inconsolable. She is screaming. Inconsolable? <laughs> Kaylee and I have talked about what that means. Yeah, she's a wreck. She's screaming, uh, stomping her foot like a toddler, just like yelling at the ceiling. She's so upset. And it's a tantrum, like a full-blown tantrum for a two-year-old. And her sister becomes the only one to calm her down. Her sister's getting everyone out of the room, levels with her, is, like, face-to-face. They're, like, both on the ground. And Natalie is having, like, this actual moment of um, honesty, probably. And she says, I look so ugly. And she says, I want to die. All I want is to be their queen. I don't feel like it. I'm just so ugly underneath all of this. If only they knew. But they can all be so mean. They can be so mean. I love it. This makes me really sad. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's probably what it's like. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds awful. Um, Yeah. Especially because I'm sure she's more human than we're giving her credit for. Although maybe not. And I'll tell you why later. Um, Because she's a monster. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure. Um, But instead, it's... it, It is sad, but it's kind of hard to, like, be on her side because we don't really know her. We've just seen her as uh, maybe what the public only ever sees her as. And so we don't know anything. And maybe that was the director's point is that we never know what these pop stars' lives. We think we have an idea. But I just find it very interesting that she is being painted as kind of like this Sia or Katy Perry or Lady Gaga. And I feel like all of those people have really lost their fan base at different times. People kind of hated Katy Perry for a while. I think they still still do. do. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Whereas I loved part of me and I loved that era, that, yeah, that movie and all that stuff. And um, now they're not on her side. And I think that's probably what would happen. And I think she sees that and she's so upset. Now it is not called post-genesis. It is called finale. But it is called finale XXI, which means 21. Right. Why? For you to decide. I don't know. <laughs> she de-ages to 21 years old. I have no idea why it's called that. It says okay. finale XXI, and I was like, and? <laughs> I guess we're all just that stupid. This is actually the 21st finale. We didn't get to see the first one. Yeah. Um, so, it's her concert. The rest of the movie is a concert. It is about four songs. It's her concert. That's all it is. It's no longer... Are they bad songs? And it is a horrible concert. Okay. And that's not my opinion. Like, that's what 
people have reviewed it as, and that's what it's been deemed as the point, is that it's it's not a good concert, um, but people are still eating it up. She's wearing the same outfit the whole time, which already, like, that that's kind of a bad concert. Like, have yeah. costume changes. Um, if you're that person, like, Beyonce, yeah. gosh, didn't she change her nails during Coachella? Um, I think that was a thing, yeah. <laughs> she changed her nails. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you gotta step it up. Um, Do it for the gram. Yeah, so... It's not a good concert. It's really gross, gyrating dance moves. Have you guys seen, like, gifs of Natalie, like, squatting and pointing? And No. It's bad. And it's, like, a lot of the dancers are whacking with, like, the arms. And, like, she's doing it. And she's got, like, backup dancers doing it. And I was like, this is really bad. Um, And there's a big screen behind her that's projecting different words. Like, it says pray, spelled P-R-A-Y, and then it says pray, spelled P-R-E-Y. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then it says, like, French words. It's like, avec, love, money, pray? (laughs) I don't know why. This this reminds me of a... Never stop, never stopping, (laughs) where all the words are on the background. Yeah, and it's, like, it's meant to be bad. I, I think that's the point. Um... She's got this song where she's wearing um, this coat that, like, everyone is holding. Like, it's a coat that goes in every direction. It's expanding, kind of like a bridal train. Like Madonna. Oh, did she do that? Probably. Yeah, they they pulled her cape out, and then she fell down. (laughs) She doesn't fall down, but she's got this really dumb song that's like, I'm a private girl in a a public world. In a public world. And she's she's doing, like, that dramatic, like, your your hand on on your forehead. Like, damsel-y. Melodrama. She's doing that, and she's like, I'm a private girl in a public oh world. Oh, my gosh. And this life is fantastic. I don't know. Um, so it's, it's not Is it good. made of plastic? Yeah. <laughs> I think she's got some songs called, like, Stop It, Kiki. Oh. The podcast is spoken. I honestly don't even remember the songs. Let's go to Spotify. She's got a song called Private Girl, Sweat and Tears, Firecracker, Blinded by Love, they're all exactly the same. And then a song called EKG. They're all just hooks. Like, I'm blinded by your love. Our love is a firecracker. I'm a private girl. My heart's an EKG machine. Very simple. Mm-hmm. Not interesting. In the middle of her concert, now we have a moment where she actually is talking. And she gives this faux inspirational speech to all of her fans. She's like, how many of you have ever cried yourself to sleep? And it cuts to, like, fans in the crowd nodding their heads solemnly, like, yeah, I have. Because <laughs> no one goes, whoa, yes! Yes! <laughs> I love it! Um, and then she's like, how many of you have ever been sad? <laughs> <laughs> because of what someone said! And she's, like, called ugly! And it's like a girl's, like, nodding. Fat! Hideous! And I was like, that's another word for ugly! <laughs> <laughs> had your heart broken and then she says people try to take me down all the time they've been trying to take me down for years but i won't stay down and people lose their shit <laughs> they're screaming they're like yes <laughs> queen rise up and oh, i'm like goodness. okay <laughs> calm down everyone's screaming she's doing a song but we can't hear the song i think it goes to like instrumental music or it's silence we see Ellie and Albertine in the crowd. Everyone's cheering in the crowd, and they're standing there stone-faced. They are not happy. They're not moving to the music. And it's it's meant to be a moment, I think, of just, like, this is what she's had to sacrifice to make all these people happy. These two people, who probably matter the most in life, will never be happy with the choices she's made. Yeah. And now are you ready for the climax? I can't movie? wait. 
It's given to us through narration. <laughs> The narration. Late one night at the hospital, following the fateful morning at New Brighton, that's her school, Celeste made a maddening claim that only her sister had ever sensed to be true. She recounted a story to Eleanor that went something like this. I don't think you guys are ready for this, because I was like, ugh, huh? Give it to me. Timelines from the tunnel. Huh? Give it. I don't think you guys, you're never going to guess it, so just, just wait. (laughs) Shortly after her classmate pulled the trigger and she went to a place between life and death, a place that she was only able to describe to Eleanor as a rush of color, she met the devil and made a deal with him. In exchange for her life, he whispered her melodies and returned her with a mission to to bring great change in the next century. He said, shut your eyes and repeat after me. One for the money, two for the show, three we get ready, and four come with me. End of movie. The credits roll in reverse. (laughs) (laughs) The same credits we saw roll in reverse. I don't know. You can't see my face right now, but it's like I drank some really sour lemonade. Kaylee, describe your face. It's like (laughs) flies are just going into my mouth and nesting there for eternity. more vivid than this guy did with 30 pages from a thesaurus. What? Uh, yeah. So she made a deal with the devil. Is that real? She thinks it is. Maybe that's the point of the movie is that pop culture is of the devil. (laughs) What my theory is, based upon what I told you guys to remember, the devil came to her, whispered songs in her ear, and told her, shut your eyes. Right. Is Jude Law the devil? That's what I'm thinking to a degree. They never portray that. They never try to make that happen. But so that she whole... had sex with the devil. No, she didn't have sex with him until she was way older, I think. No, but if Jude Law's the devil, then she had sex with the devil. Oh, sure. So, <laughs> oh, for so, sure. So did her sister. I don't know if Jude Law is the devil, but I was like, that's a connection you the gotta point... <laughs> anticipate your audience making when you call it that. The point of this movie is that sex is the devil. <laughs> sex and pop music? The devil. Going to hell. Okay, so that's my thing about going to hell. Um, what I have to say about this, because if you're gonna suddenly, not suddenly, they've kind of peppered it in, religion. Yeah. But if you're gonna make these really, really dramatic religious claims, why on earth would you have a girl who clearly seems devout in her face looking down a school shooter and telling him, I will pray with you, why would you have her go to hell when she dies and make a deal with the devil? Right. Sounds like that girl's going straight to heaven. Right, uh, right. Honestly, and... You know, guys, he was camping out in front of the pearly gates. He was like, hey. Oh, I thought you were going to say, he was he was going down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. Do you know that song? No. no. Went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. That's good, though. That's a good song. So anyways... Uh, do you guys believe she sold her soul to the devil? Do you guys think that's just How again, do they portray the devil? In this movie? Yeah. They never said anything about oh, the devil. Oh, because it was all narration. That's what I'm like. Right. And this is the first time they've mentioned the devil, except for her saying to her sister, Ellie, I've done something terrible. Right. So that's what that's in reference to, I'm assuming. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. To making a deal with the devil. To making a deal with the devil. And then we're learning later that she did, and that Eleanor believed her. Um... I don't <laughs> think so. I really so. think that I would have to watch it to make an accurate claim. It makes me okay. upset because I think even if we don't believe it, I think the filmmakers do, and that makes me upset that that's, like, the twist. 
So I'll tell you more about that. Okay. The movie is called Vox Lux. Do you guys know what that means? No. No. So it's Latin, but it's incorrect Latin. Means light, right? <laughs> Vox means voice. Lux means light. But really, what you're saying when you translate that would be light voice. What he wanted to do, and what the guy's gone on record saying, he's like, oh, the title means voice of light. It doesn't. That would be Vox Luminous. Uh. Uh, because if you just do, like, Vox Lux, the voice light, or the light voice, it doesn't mean the same thing. So I was, like, pretentious right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. you didn't even look on Google Translate? <laughs> also, I think Vox Luminous is a great title, because yeah. I think more people, the root word, loom, they're gonna get, oh, voice of light, Vox yeah, yeah, Luminous. Yeah. I think that's a good title. However, I think he might have also, um, left it at Lux, because Vox Lux, Lux is the root word for Lucifer. <laughs> so now it's voice of the devil. I see. If you go that route. I see. I don't know which he intended. <laughs> I mean, voice of the devil, I feel like, seems more accurate. I just feel like that's so, so shameful to pop music. Like, pop music's great. <laughs> like, what, calm down. What, are the, what, are, what is the devil trying to make her bring about, though? A hatred of pop music? Uh, more shootings, more distractions from taking care of the real issue. But also, I don't think pop music leads to mass shootings. I don't know what the thesis and the idea is behind this. I don't know if the director loves or hates pop music. Um, I don't know if he specifically went to Sia and said, write me bad songs. I don't know if he went to Natalie Portman and said, be awful, be like a, a crazed loon of a person, and then went to Rafi Cassie and was like, you're doing great. <laughs> Leave as is. <laughs> that seems really mean, but it's, I, I like her. I thought she did a good job. Hmm. Yeah, those are my thoughts, gang. So, okay. thoughts? <laughs> Should we rate with our thoughts? Yeah. What do you rate this movie? I feel like, I mean, I feel like that my decision is going to drastically change after I watch this because I fully intend on watching this. Yeah, I, I, I definitely want to watch I it. I own it, so we can watch oh, it. Oh, great. You own it. Oh. I'm going to yeah. give it a... If you give it a really good score, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to give it like a 6.5 or 7 out of oh, 10. Okay, okay, okay. Kayleen? Yeah, I think I would give it... Again, I think I'd have to see it, but probably a 7. Okay. Yeah, I, I would like to choose seven as well. <laughs> oh. Seven. Not doing this point five business. Okay. So I get a six. Oh no! No! <laughs> <laughs> when I divide twenty by three, it's six point six. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and if I go to like trivia on IMDb, which I absolutely love, it's it's too new to have anything, and I just don't think that many people 
have watched it. I don't have any fun facts. Um, are, are we done? Or can we table this one? Or do you guys have any last thoughts? No, I think we're done with the movie part. Great. So we're going to move on to the uh, end of our episode, which is recommendations and adding to our watch list. What do you want to add on? What do you want to recommend? So for recommendations, I, I like to kind of... Because it's hard because recommendations and things we've just watched are hard to blend together. So yeah. I kind of like to pick... Older things to recommend. Or like something in theme with what we're talking oh, about. Nice. So one that I didn't mention on voiceover because it's a TV show. Um, but Dexter. Yeah. <laughs> I think that Dexter... Half of what does it for me in that show is how much I love his voiceover and how much it makes you be on this sociopath side and see his yeah. humanity even though he supposedly, you know, doesn't have the same human emotions as the rest of us. So if you've never watched Dexter, give it a shot one through four at least. If you want to stop after that, that's fine. But I don't think you're going to be able to stop after four because four is really yeah. good. Honestly, start with four, then watch five. <laughs> no! <laughs> then you have no stakes in four. Uh, true. Fine, start with one. One is a good season. One and then four. Um, I'll go next for recommendations. Kimmy and I last night watched Puffs. Yeah. And Puffs is a live recording of an off-Broadway production of a show that is set in the Harry Potter universe about the Hufflepuff house oh, called what? the Puffs. And yeah. I have... I this have, is a movie? It's a, it's no, just it's a, a show, but they filmed the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It, so it's a movie. Um, a play. I'm sorry. It's it, a play. Um, and I've, I've gotten on my high horse before about how I don't like Harry Potter spinoffs. Mm. Um, even the ones that are canon, I hate. <laughs> Cursed Child, hate it. Fantastic Beasts, hate it more. Not to lie. <laughs> um, so this one I was, like, not really on board for, but my friend Justin recommended it, and amazing. I was cackling with laughter. Oh, it was hilarious. Oh. It was so funny. Where'd you watch it? Here. I bought no, it on but, Amazon. Oh, on, oh, okay. It's on Amazon, because it, it was doing, like, it was like a Fathom events where you can go mm. watch it in theaters, but then they put it on Amazon, and, like, it just starts off with all the, like, young Hufflepuffs, and they all introduce themselves by waving super dorkily, and they're like, my name's Susie! Hi, Susie! <laughs> and then it's like, my name's Sally! Hi, Sally! And, like, they're just so dorky, and they go through all of them, and all of a sudden you hear, and I'm... Cedric and like heavy metal music is oh playing and like Cedric like descends from the ceiling and he's like this rock star <laughs> and it was so funny. That's awesome. And it said they can't say their normal house names because oh, yeah. of copyright, so it's the Puffs, oh. the Smarts, the Braves, and the Snakes. That's hysterical. <laughs> I know it's hysterical. Yeah, it's so good. And they're like, I wish I were a Smart, <laughs> and that means Ravenclaw. And it is, yeah, I will never forget. There's this meme that's like every Harry Potter quiz. Yes, and it's like how do you brush, brush your, your teeth? teeth? And it's like Brave. <laughs> smartly, like funnily, and then it's like I'm a snake. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what it's like. Um, so it was, it was and great. it's it's all seven years of of Harry Potter's life, mm-hmm. and Harry's like a side character, and so it's just focusing on a trio of wizards in the Hufflepuff house who are like Harry, Ron, and Hermione. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, super good. They have a lot of parody parts. They let this guy kind of riff off in one in one part. Yes. They put subtitles at the bottom of the screen, and they say, this actor was allowed to do whatever he wanted at this part. Oh, and, and so he's allowed to say anything he wants, and he decided to 
recap the entire plot of 27 dresses <laughs> because his line is like he's a bro and he's literally wearing this collar that is he's clipped on it's like a polo shirt collar that he's clipped on so there's no shirt attached oh my to goodness. it it's just a clip on and like a backwards hat and he's like oh what's up losers how was your summer and that's all he's supposed to say and then he can say whatever he wants and he's like my summer was great got invited to this wedding and he listened to the entire so plot of 27 dresses it was so good <laughs> Definitely watch that. Yeah, I love it. Kimmy, what do you recommend? Yeah, that's my recommendation too. <laughs> oh, sick! I was, um, oh, I was so nervous she was gonna hate it. Oh, really? No, I loved it. I, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Um, watch list. Uh, mine are kind of cheating because so the first one I forgot to mention this in things I have watched, but so my friend, I mean obviously you guys know, but listeners, my friend at work, Riley, sometimes like once a week ish. I go to her house, and we, at one point, we were watching all the Harry Potter movies, so we would watch, like, 45 minutes of one and then pick up the next week and whatnot. Um, Anyway, right now, we're watching Kill Bill, because she's never seen either of them, and when we watched the first episode of the podcast, she was like, spoilers, Bill dies. I was like, well, (laughs) spoiler timestamps. Well, and it's called Kill Bill. What do you think happens? So... We started watching it. We finished part one this week and started part two. So on my watch list would be to finish part two. Nice. And also a f- another friend from work gave me Gladiator to borrow. Oh. So Dakota and I watched um, almost all of it yesterday, but then it was late and it was a Thursday. So um, <laughs> to finish that and talk about that next awesome. week. Awesome. Yeah. And I've never seen Gladiator. It's so that one's exciting. Did you like it? I mean, you watched I like the first part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kimmy? I want to see... It's been advertised on Facebook, and it caught my eye. That movie, Piercing. With I don't know what It's got Mia Wasikowska and Christopher Abbott. Mm-hmm. And it's. I think it's about, like, a businessman who goes to a hotel room and calls an escort, but then he has to kill that escort. Oh. Or something Why like that. Why does he that. have to? <laughs> I don't know. I have Because <laughs> John Doe's there. <laughs> this trailer is... You know, these trailers are really appreciated. I know you guys do, too, where you have no idea what the movie's about based on the trailer. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh. Oh, I know what I need to watch. I have never seen an X Man. An X Man. X Men. X Men. Kitty, I know. Gosh. <laughs> oh God, I thought you were serious. Yeah, I've never seen X Men beyond. Um, I've seen everything Wolverine's done. So like his mm-hmm. origins and Logan. And was there another one or no? But you haven't seen like the X one through three. Nope. And I know Dark Phoenix is coming out. Yes, so excited. Yeah, and I'm excited too. And I, I kind of would like to watch the like. Is it a different generation of them where we've got like Cyclops? They, they recast. Yeah, them. there's a oh, lot okay. to unpack. They do a lot of. Um, Reimagining what yeah. canon is based on okay. time travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of a lot to get into at this current moment, but honey, you, you stick with me. I'll show you some X Men. Oh my oh gosh. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we just instantly stopped. Let's just not look at her. <laughs> I love X Men. I know you do. And I live with you, so I should watch them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my goal is to watch the Z Boys and uh, <laughs> Z Boys. <laughs> And the uh, Y guys. Oh, that's good. <laughs> the A girls. Uh, <laughs> next week, we pass the torch on to Kimmy. Ayo. Because Kimmy will be explaining a movie to the two of us, mm-hmm. and that movie will be Mary Queen of Scots. Because yep. I wouldn't go see it. <laughs> and I said, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and Kimmy has been so gung ho about this movie. It's got all the things I like. I love period films. <laughs> 
I love drama. It's Saoirse Williner. It's Saoirse Ronan. It's Margot Robbie. Join us next week. Um, have a great time. <laughs> Is that a good ending? Yeah. Nailed <laughs> we it. don't want this. Is that a good ending? <laughs>